Oh, 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 cheeky monkeys. Get on with it. Toppy, toppy. Hello and welcome to a Burkett Wonderland podcast. Shut up. We are an Arsenal podcast and sometimes we wish we weren't because it's not all good being an Arsenal fan. Right, straight away, I'm going to go into the chat box and say hello to the people in there. Hello, Matt. Hello, Josh. Now I'm going to come back and say hello to my guests. Uh, first of all, all the way from, is it sunny in America, um, Drew? Is it hot? Yeah, it's hot as fuck. That's there you go. An official weather from uh, New York. It is hot as fuck. Uh, Josh, in sunny up north, is it snowing or is it hot as fuck? Uh, warm as fuck. Ooh, warm as fuck. And Gav, in your cave, how is the temperature? It's it's nice, nice and mellow this evening. Nice and mellow, mate. I've got my back door open. That's not a euphemism, so you can hear birds. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Oh, oh, Alonso, fellow American. Hello, Alonso. Hope you're feeling better, me old treacle, because uh, you've not been well. Corey Souls. I don't know that name. That's a new name. Are you new, Corey? Let us know. And uh, we will give you a special wave. Phil Macker, he's not new. He's not getting a wave. Nicky Wilson, he's he's a Norwich. Uh, has uh, 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 ne'er do well. Shut up, ne'er do well. Uh, so he met. Did he meet Ellis today? Josh, is that possible? Nicky and Ellis met up in Norwich. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I'd put it be there. Fair. Well, family do, do normally meet up, don't they? they do oh yeah, they they have have been lifted. Yeah, they must be related. Oh, Alonzo says it's hot in Texas. I can imagine it is hot in Texas. Uh, Paul Neal, he says, evening, gents. Uh, looking cool there with his shades on under a, uh, an umbrella or a gazebo. Uh, oh, he's, he's in Philly. He says, uh, hot as fucking Philly as well. Ah, oh, there we go. Richard, who is going to be um, back this week doing the, the live show, he is there. He's, um, he's saying hello. Hello, Richard. Are you all right? Uh, hello. Say hello to Phil Macca. What's he put? I better read it before I am. Um, oh, there we go. He says, uh, Arsenal fixtures still remain deleted. FM, my phone, calendar, give me some hope. I don't know what that means. And as uh, Drew says, dreadful, worst time of the year. I love it. I'm sitting here and I'm not even wearing pants on that on that wonderful breaking news. We are going to go and uh, I'm going to ask everybody how their week has been, Drew. How have you been this week? Uh, I don't know, less mad than last week, but still slightly, I don't know, a little bit, I'm fine now. Good, All right. it's nice to hear, and it's nice to see you in, in video with nice audio. Um, do we have to thank Tom for that, for shouting at you? No, this is my no. own decision. <laughs> Good, <laughs> lovely. Josh, how's your week been, me old sausage? Uh, it's alright, it's my last day of being a freeloading scumbag uh, before I go back to work, so oh. yeah, I've had to, I've to actually do all the jobs I was planning on doing in the last day. Never have you seen more shelves go up as quickly <laughs> as they have around the flat today. Oh, dear. And Gav, how have you been? I've seen by your Twitter that you've been very busy posting off all your wonderful she wore merchandise. Yeah, it was... Uh, oh, don't. Yeah, no, it was all going well Monday and then about... I started packing bits Monday morning, had everything out, which... You know, it does take up quite a lot of room, and then the printer broke. So, yeah, so we had to buy a new printer yesterday, so I had to stop what I was doing, put everything away, and then the printer, the new printer we wanted, 
we couldn't go and pick it up because we can't pick it up from a shop which is a mile down the road, but we can order it online to get it delivered at like 10 o'clock the next morning. So, yeah, so, you know, well out of pocket with spending out loads of money on a new printer. But, yeah, I made up for it today. And tomorrow I'm having the day off. I'm not doing a sausage pen. Well, I'm eating and cooking them, but work-wise, I'm doing absolutely nothing tomorrow. That's nice to know. Good. Right. Well, you yeah. did ask. I know. I'm just, I'm just agreeing with you. Right. We have got a Bulgarian Guna. What's the weather like in Bulgaria? That's what everyone's asking themselves. Darren Clifford, he says, hello, fellas. Phil Macker is still spamming us. What does he say this time? FM is short Is short form for... for he's doing it to annoy me, isn't he? I'm not going to read that. Um, have you... Oh, yes. Corey wants to know if we heard the Martinelli news. We have. Yes. We'll be bringing it up. Mike Hertz. Hello, gentlemen. Cactus Cash says, uh, supposedly Martinelli is out for months. Of course, he's the only decent player we've got left at the club. Uh, well, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give Mike and I feel another go. He says, I deleted the fixtures as I have no interest in watching football till the fans return, but happy to listen to you guys. Oh, bless your socks. Uh, Mike Hurt says, got about Martinelli. Avon Teddington, uh, he says, uh, evening Martinelli news is disappointing, but why the fuck are we looking to bring in William? Is it, unless he's on a free, I doubt very much that we will. Right, so the first thing... Oh, people in the chat box, we're doing this thing where you can name the show. So if you just put in there, um, maybe just put hashtag show name, because then I'll be able to stick out from the rest of them, and then let me know what you want to call the show. No more than about five or six words. I'll put it in my list, and at the end of the show, I was like, we'll pick what we're going to call the show. Try not to be too saucy. Right, first of all, things that we need to... Um, we had a sponsor for a couple of weeks ago for, for Father's Day. Don't worry, I'll get this over and done with. It was the people at Playbook Products. And they were if you went and retweeted our pinned tweet, then you were in for the chance to win one of their mugs. We're getting absolutely nothing out of it. There are a couple of Arsenal fans, and I like what they do. So I said we'll do it for absolutely nothing. So they do all these mugs and cups and things and placemats and uh, baby grows. They don't do, I think they do bags as well. So it's uh, playbookproducts.co.uk, which they've just recently started, or playbookproducts.com. You go and use the code GUNADADS20, not DAD20, like I said. You get a 15% discount. Uh, there are some things they can't post to the UK at the moment, but they're working on it. We had 41 retweets, 28 likes, which added up to 192 entries because you've got five entries per retweet. So I did a bit of randomising, and uh, the four winners are we have Dave at Bag of Dicks, might be a double under. No, double under. <laughs> I've got no, no idea what that person is. Do you know who they are, Gav? Dave at Bag of Dicks. Yeah. Well, Bag of Dicks are a company in America. They um, you uh, they sponsored the Gooners podcast for a while, and then they will send you a little bag of s- sweet dicks. A little bag of dicks. Yes. So I don't know if this is the person yeah. got anything to do with those, but Dave, you're a winner. This person I know, Ola, at Black Scorpion 3, is in Wellingborough in England. So you've won, Ola. It's good. I'm glad somebody I know won. And uh, these, those, um, oh, Carl Wright is at Carl Wright 10 in Whirlingham, England. Those three people all got it from a retweet. And I think Country Boy John at John underscore Mark 95, no idea where you are. Uh, I think he might have got it from a favourite. I'm not sure. I didn't write down when I was doing it how they entered. So, uh, yeah, those people, I shall DM you to get your addresses and play at Playbook Product will send you a mug of your choice. So go to the, I'll put all, this, all the information in the website, in the, the DM. So well done, you people. And if you don't take it up on it, uh, we're going to send them all to Alan Davis. 
and the shitty emails. Right. Should we get on with the show? I've only been waffling for seven minutes, 52 seconds. You'll never get that time back. Uh, the Man City game. Drew, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the Man City game? Um, I've got a few notes here. We looked at, tw- did that 25 minutes sum up Louise's career with us? <laughs> I don't know. My thoughts are simple. I mean, it, even before COVID, with the form that we did have, I don't think anyone was expected to actually beat City, right? So um, I'm not too disappointed. I mean, there's shoots ahead of us in every single department from footballing terms. So, um, yeah, man, I, I kind of ride that off. Um, I think the scoreline was a bit flattering. I think in certain certain parts, we actually did perform pretty decently. Um, tactically, we weren't poor early on. We actually pressed quite well. We actually shut City down and, and in a lot of areas, we actually had a few decent chances. So it wasn't all completely doom and gloom, but at the end of the day, I don't think any of us had us, anyone us, any of us had us down to get even a point, let alone three points. So, um, I don't know. There's, there's not much analysis that needs to be discussed really. It's, it's <laughs> playing against a team who are our current holders. And again, they're better than us in every single area. So losses as expected, but, um, I think you can take some positives away from it. I don't know if the fans will, but again, um, I thought we pressed well early. I thought we limited their chances. Um, and <laughs> you can make an argument that we, we were maybe halfway decent value for sneaking a point if Devin Louise didn't come on and quite literally sabotage the whole thing. But, you know, that notwithstanding, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I'm more concerned about the Brighton match, to be fair. You know, again, because that's a match where, if you look at it, despite coming off the back of the city loss, you expect us to take three points, even if we're away from home. It doesn't really matter. So, um, that's kind of my concern, but yeah, my thoughts on City are pretty limited. I don't know what the guys think, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too fussed about it. Gaff, were you surprised that um, so many Arsenal fans honestly were saying, I think we, we've got a chance of winning this when last season, Man City were the first team in the history of world football, FA Cup, Premier League, League Cup, Charity Shield. For me, the actual proper quadruple, they did that this season, second in the league, won the League Cup, doing well, great players, and we are a mid-table team. Um, fighting beyond our means. That's not even a saying. What do you think, Gav? We looked okay until we had two early injuries, two substitutions. We brought on that Chelsea prick uh, and it just fell apart. Uh, it shows how important Xhaka is to uh, bring his plans, to Arteta's plans. Uh but yeah, no, like I say, until the two injuries, I, I thought we was matching them. If anything, we had the upper hand. Uh, whether Man City were playing rope a dope for a little bit to get their sort of feet in, or, or what you don't know. But and yeah, we probably would have lost either way. But it doesn't help when you know, like I say, Chelsea prick comes on and, and completely fucks it up. Sorry for the bad language, but <sighs> you didn't hear the, the live show at the weekend. That was mild compared to what Chris and Trace oh. were chucking out. Well, we should we should just be banned. Like I say, they, somebody needs to speak to somebody at Arsenal and say, look, whatever happens, do not buy anybody from Chelsea because the last three or four have been absolute fucking toilet. And, yeah, no, it, he shouldn't be allowed on the pitch. It's, you know, he's not. When we signed him, I spoke to one of my Chelsea mates and he said, yeah, look, if you played Louise in a back three, and he's the sort of like the, the sweeper, sort of like all the advanced, as you do now, centre-back, then you're going to get, you know, he's going to do okay for you. You put him in a back four, he's going to be toilet. And he's been toilet. 
I think he's given away four or five penalties this season, right, out of 31 games. So that's literally a penalty every six games. And, yeah, no, he, he's he's just shit. And, like I say, he come on and Saka went off and, yeah, we, we, we just fell apart. I thought Arteta had us set up with a plan. It looked like a good plan. We was matching them, if anything, you know, until that, you know, we was doing the right thing. And then, of course, with the five substitution law now, uh, again, that sort of hampered everything because we've then got three subs left. He could either make a change at half time or he could bring on three at once. And yeah, no, it, it was just a clusterfuck. But again, it's just literally down to the substitutions. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been three nil if we had no injuries that came. True. Josh Meow Fruitcake. Um, what's your thoughts on Man City? And then while I go and deal with some tweets, can you talk about the, the Brighton game? Because uh, you've got a bit of Brighton DNA in you, haven't you? <laughs> well, I'm going to be sounds, on mute. That sounds horribly disgusting, uh, having Brighton DNA inside me. Um, but what happens on West Street stays on West Street. Uh, in terms of the Man City game, I would, I kind of withdrew on that. I think we weren't really expecting a lot out of the game. I think it's a little bit like when we uh, drew Man City first game of the season. Uh, so this season or the season before where we thought, oh, we might have a chance because City might be a bit slow out of the blocks coming just off pre-season and we might have a chance at getting at them. But as you could see, um, although I think we did have a good plan to start with, those two injuries just kind of throw any planning kind of out of the window. Uh I thought City could hit us for more than the three. I think the score line was flattering, but more flattering to us than to City. Uh, I think Pep's got this thing where he likes to slow down a bit against managers he likes because I've we saw Wenger teams go to Guardiola teams and they kind of stop scoring after two or three. You know, they get the game one and then just drop right down the gears to just finish the game. And I think that's what we kind of saw from them, really, because it was a team full of first-teamers. You know, it's, there was no uh, kind of fringe players that we saw them bring out against Burnley that would fight for their places. But overall, I was kind of, yeah, a bit disappointed with individual performances within the game. But the overall result was something that wasn't entirely unexpected. Uh, as for Brighton... Um, I wouldn't say that was entirely expected um, in terms of what we saw from uh, Arsenal. It sh- I was quite happy with the centre-back performance as a whole. I don't know what everyone thinks about Mustafi and Holding. I mean, where the goals came from, I wouldn't necessarily was a, say it was a problem with the centre-backs. But the fact that we couldn't build through midfield was just absolutely appalling. And I, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll go on to the Leno yeah, and yeah. Logan instant. The, the, the biggest compliment you can give Mustafi, right, is I haven't noticed him on the pitch. Yeah, and I think that's a great. Uh, you say that about like holding midfielders as well, don't you? That if you don't see the work they're doing, they're probably doing a good thing. Mm. Very um, much the same with Gilberto, was very much like that. Yeah. He would often be completely like you just wouldn't even notice who's on the pitch, but. When he left us, you noticed a big gaping hole. And I, I think, like I say, I think Mustafi's 
been okay, really. I think he's he's certainly been our best centre back out of losing five goals in two games. But yeah, oh, I Go think on, that. Um, I, no, no, it's fine. I think the the relative opinion of many is that Mustafi has largely been our most improved player under Arteta, and he's probably been our best centre back on on form. Not that that means we should move forward building with him as a centerpiece in the defense, but you do have to give credit where it's due. And I think you guys bring up a good point where if you're not talking about center backs or holding midfielders, it's a good thing, but that's not always necessarily also down to the player. It's also, it can be down to the system as well. And I think that that's not something we talk enough about is that it doesn't matter who's been at center back. They've all been exposed time and time again over the last couple of years. And a lot of people are quick to judge the player, but haven't been so quick to judge the system in front of them. The fact that they're just, there's no cover for midfield, they're forced to make too many decisions, whether if they want to step or sit, things like that. And I think that on the strength of it, if you look at Brighton, I think Josh just pointed out brilliantly that, you know, if, if, if you look at the nature of how things went down, you can't really sit there and say, well, it was a center back issue. I think the biggest issue for us, and I think anyone who thinks logically will tell you that the biggest issue with Arsenal for years has been the midfield, for sure. Mm-hmm. That the balance has been completely off. Um, a lot of times it's light, tech- light, lightweight and weak. Yeah, you can go lightweight and weak. It's not even just, I I agree with that. It's not even just lightweight and weak. It's just the actual understanding of the game that's in front of them, that's behind them. Um, Knowing how to to cover the half spaces, these are all things that we've struggled with for years. And even with Shaka, who I have criticisms criticisms with, and I also have things I like about him as a player as well. I'm not going to sit here and obviously scapegoat him, but he's kind of the prime example of of a good player who's been forced into a scenario and a system where it's not really suited to him. And it's highlighted his weaknesses rather than highlighting his strengths. And that has then begot extra criticism that maybe a lot of it's not been fair. So I, I saw a stat today, right? Out of uh, all the games that Arteta's been in charge, uh, it, we've won every game that Xhaka's played 90 minutes, uh, which is about three or four. And the ones where he hasn't started or he's come off with uh one one out of about eight or nine. So we've almost got like a hundred percent record when Zaka's on the pitch for ninety minutes under our tower. Yeah, it was the same when what was it, when Mustafi came, we went on like a twenty match unbeaten run when he first showed up and then people always always forget that. But some of that is down to the player and also some of that's down to everything else going correctly across the pitch. But I do I mean I'm with you Gav where Despite the criticisms, you have to say that Jacka is probably our most important midfielder because he's the only one that can control any semblance of, of, of play. He's the only one that can ping a pass to bypass the press. He's, he's calm on the ball. These are things that, you know, notwithstanding of his... Oh, yeah, his he's, 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 he's far from perfect. I mean... Yeah, but he, but he gives things but, that, we're, that we're desperately needing for right now as well. Yeah. And anyone that says otherwise is insane. So, oh. I yeah, think... So I was going to say, I think one of the things with the midfield as well is the change in managers we've had. You know, Emery kind of went into the season with this being his midfield. If you look at how Emery kind of wanted to play, he wasn't really all about pushing through the midfield with technical players. It was spraying that ball out to the wing, having the fullbacks overlap and doing a pullback. So having a very utilitarian midfield with not particularly great skills technically, but you know, great work rates. That was perfect for him. Now we've brought in a manager who, you know, wants 600 diminutive playmakers everywhere. Um, 
to go rather over the top for what Arteta is looking for. But that's what he's going to want. He's going to bring in technical players uh, when he gets in the summer. We're going to see that kind of change. And I think that's the problem we've got at the moment is that there's only two players really in that squad that you'd say are technical enough at this moment in time to really do anything for Arteta, those being Xhaka and Ceballos. Uh, in terms of what's going on with Meza Ozil, you know, we have seen him play pre-COVID, should we say, for Arteta. And I think that's another player, whatever's going on in that situation, who might drop into that midfield. But then we come into the problem of if we started a game with Xhaka, Ceballos and Ozil in the midfield. Oof. Yeah. That it, we it's absolutely a run by, yeah. by half hour. <laughs> yeah, it's so. it's a lightweight midfield that's not going to win you a game. It's uh, also why... So I didn't mean to address. Also why you yeah. see Bukayo Saka getting shifted centrally and that almost rings true to something that they did with David Silva where he started as a winger at Valencia and eventually over time he went central and eventually he went from 10 to 8. Mm-hmm. And then he became... Arguably, City's most important player mm. in that eight role, apart from Kevin De Bruyne. But you kind of almost see that Arteta's accelerating that process. I think he's he, and as I think the reason why is because I think he wants someone who has more technical ability on the ball in those areas than what we actually have available. And he's trying to to make a makeshift solution out of an issue so. that we can't really solve through the market. I mean, you, you've got you've got to remember as well that Arteta as a player done a similar similar route. Yeah. Uh, he he was always an attacking midfielder. He was always a ten or playing out wide. Uh, and obviously, after two horrendous in- injuries, we panic bought him. Uh, Realised he he didn't he couldn't fulfil that role and ended up you know more a deep lying midfielder. So he know he knows all about how to do that, and he did an okay job, I guess, uh, in that role. Uh, but he he knows what it's like for a player to sort of lose the pace and lose the edge and to sort of slowly get forced backwards through the pitch. Yeah, I totally agree on that one. Uh, that I think also bringing in Saka was, we saw Arteta uh, mention it heavily, was the one for a left-footed player in central defence. The whole reason we bought Pablo Mari was for that thing. And having Xhaka get injured meant he's the only, other than Ozil, the only other left-footed player in our midfield. So I think that's why we've seen Saka come inside as well. There's another reason to open the field up with another left-footer. But going back to generally the Brighton game, um, I don't think it's too harsh to say that Arteta was completely out-tacticked by Graham Potter, uh, especially towards that second half and where their second goal comes from. Going back and... probably about 20 minutes prior, you see us move to a three at the back to try and combat their three at the back. And then Potter, as soon as we've made played our hand, he goes, right, sorry, I've got the players to play four at the back again and completely switches it up and leaves us completely exposed in the midfield. Not that we I weren't just, exposed thought, in the midfield. I, I'm mad. I just sorry, thought the mat- yeah, no, sorry to bite him. Uh, I just thought the players completely fucking let themselves down, all of them. Throughout the whole game, it's Brighton who have like haven't won a game for literally fucking. Seven haven't months. won a game. Yeah, haven't won a game all uh, all this year. All this year, Should yeah. Uh, and Brighton have done the double over us as well, which is highly embarrassing. Uh, 
yeah, no, it, the the player the players just completely let themselves down. Uh, I would I would fancy now <laughs> our first choice under three teams to give Brighton a better game for it than than what they did. The senior pros didn't turn up, and as much as people want to talk, you know, you can talk about all your tactics and all that, and I, I respect that. Uh, but as somebody who doesn't particularly delve into deep in that, what I saw was a lot of players that just was not on top form, uh, could have done a lot better than they did and let themselves down. I mean, obviously, we can talk about the uh, the Leno incident. I don't know whether we should wait till Danny brings it up. Yeah, there's a couple uh, of other things you want to get to first. But like I say, it, you know... I'm not. I'm not too one for saying whether you know the difference between them going from three five two to four four two made a difference, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We've got and we should have more than enough quality to beat a team that is fighting relegation. Question: Even, uh, even though we are, like I say, a mid-table team these days. Real, real right? fast, Danny. I don't. I don't think that. We, I don't think we can discount that, uh, Gav, but I also, are you surprised? Because this, this isn't the first time it's happened. This is like the 20th time it's happened where we go into a match against a team we should be comfortably seeing off by halftime, and then all of a sudden it's either we completely capitulate in the second half and we blow a lead, or from the outset we're outplayed by a team who, with all due respect, we should, again, be beating comfortably. It's it's At that point, it's hard to look at the arguments of people saying that there's a systemic issue with the club and say that there's no merit to the argument because it's happened time and again and it's happened under three different managers with different players. So at that point, you have to look at the culture surrounding the club and then that's when questions come into play because if you look at other big clubs, not just in the club. There's still still a lot of players that all bought under Wenger. I mean, it's not even just that, but I mean, I I agree with you, but I also, I mean, that's all, I guess it's a whole other debate because you you certainly have to argue that when it came to a certain point in Wenger's final years, he was forced down a business path under Gazidis that maybe went against what he wanted to do because of because he just felt the pressure of you know we need to get back into Champions League. I, I don't think we're buying the right players kind of thing. That's a whole other debate. But the whole but my point was that if you look at other big clubs, not just in the Premier League but in across Europe performances like that wouldn't be acceptable in one season, let alone seven seasons. You know, heads would roll, questions would be answered, and players would get binned, and that's just not down to the manager. That's down to what what goes on with the club and the fact that that sort of mentality is oh, still... Oh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're fucked. Another, I mean, the, 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 the club is fucked. I mean, we've, we've been on a, a, a gradual decline uh, since 2004... Uh, and then it sharpened up in 2006 when we left Highbury. Uh, everything looked, you know, it's just been a slow, slow slot downwards from first, fighting for first to second and third to fourth to fifth to sixth to a couple of good years winning FA Cups, thank God. But it's been a slow and endem- endemic process, uh, which combines with. Well, basically, leaving Highbury and the club giving the reins to the fucking American. Uh, so that, that's been the problem, really. Uh, you, you can't, and nobody will ever persuade me that the Cronkies have any feeling or any passion 
or any knowledge about how English football works. The only time that they're ever going to get a rocket up their fucking arses is the time when we're going into Christmas January and we're in the bottom six. And that's the way that's the way we're heading. The way teams like Liverpool, Wolves, uh, Leicester to a degree have got to where they were uh, was by buying one or two better players each time. What we have done for the last 14, 15 years is buy one or two players worse every time. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's that bad. Like I say, if, if it carries on how it is, we could have Pep Guardiola in charge of us and we will be relegated in three seasons. That's how right. dramatic Gav, it is. Gav, take a breath. Yeah, don't, I think, don't I get... do a 10 minute answer for every question. I've got a question for you, Josh. Okay. Did Brighton beat us the same way this week as they beat us at our place? Did they use the same kind of ideas? Oh. Could Arteta have looked at the, the previous defeat and then learn anything, which he obviously didn't for this game, or was it just completely I mean, different? The first thing he had to do was get Pet Nicholas Pepe out of Dan Burns' pocket from the uh, the reverse fixture at the Emirates, because again we saw Pepe have a go at Dan Burn. He got a yellow card. And then just from there, no longer pushed himself down that right-hand flank to try and get him sent off. And I think that's, the, as Gav was kind of mentioned, mentioning, that the big players didn't show up. And um, We've seen rants from other podcasts mention this. That you need a senior player to say, keep running at him because he's going to have to give in there. You also had another player in their back three that, or back four. So Lewis Dunk, who's one yellow card away from two-game suspension. So he's not going to be diving into tackles either. Or at least if he is, he's going to regret them. So how are these things so, obvious to you? I mean, you know your football. How are they obvious to you? But yet Arteta didn't uh, make the most of these issues. I think the problem Arteta's got is that wasn't the only issue he had on the field. He's got other things to address with. The fact that we're losing the midfield battle probably took more precedent over it. Because if you look at uh, the Brighton midfield... The fact that you could say most of that at the moment would walk into our team is a damning indictment on both sides. That you know we're talking about a team like Brighton, who you know Davy Proper came straight from Eredivisie, not Eredivisie, yeah, Eredivisie, Dutch league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember what it's called properly? Uh, yeah, <laughs> came from PSV. Mm-hmm. You've got Basuma, who came from the French league, had only just kind of turned up at the moment. And who else do they have in there? Uh, Aaron Moy got relegated with Huddersfield last season. Uh, then the only real big creative spot they brought on right at the end uh, in Alex McAllister. So I think in general, we could have done a lot better with that. And I think that's more of what he was trying to coach was that midfield through the game. Because we saw as soon as Artet, uh, sorry, as soon as Leno went off injured, Guendouzi's head was gone. I mean, we've heard reports now about how he was giving it Billy Big Bollocks for the entire game. But, you know, it's not, you know, you can't do that at the moment. We're not in a position where we can start lording it over players of lesser teams because they're just going to kick us. And they're going to, we can see it even further down that we've seen cup upsets because players have decided they're bigger than the game. And, or the game is, you know, below them. And I think that's where we're at at the moment is we've got, uh, you know, Guendouzi is an impressionable guy. We saw him latch on to Lacazette and Aubameyang. And I've got 
a feeling he's quite impressionable from that point. And if he's feeling that kind of superiority complex over, you know, teams that he's facing, is that coming from the captain, you know, and the rest of the senior throws that this game is below them? Because they showed more fight against Man City than they did really against Brighton. Drew, Gav brought up a point a minute. Good, good stuff, Josh. Yeah, I'll just take it. I, I, sometimes I forget that I have to interact with you, Josh, because I was like listening to another podcast. Drew, Gav brought up a... Just gonna, oh, Gav's finished making noise. Uh, right. Uh, Gav brought up a point that we handed our club over to the Americans. Now, we all have loads of mates that are Americans that look, could run our club perfectly. Two-part question. Are there any... All the NFL, NBA and baseball teams in America, are they all owned by American people, companies? Like that. That's the first part of the question. Uh, it depends. I mean, the vast majority of, of teams in the United States and North American sports world are owned by Americans or Canadians if they're, if they're in Canada. Yeah. Um, and there's a different mentality in, in with, with American sports ownership. Um, also, things that are, are, are or are not allowed in American sports ownership that a lot of fans of ours might be calling for it. And as, as I just put in the chat, it's completely normal for someone in Stan's position to say, I'm the owner of this club, you know, by way of, by way of shares, but I'm not the one making the decisions because you have to think about it. He knows he doesn't you, you know, know the game as someone like maybe on, on average Raul, which is why Raul is the one who's technically running the show. And, and KSC has said as such that all decisions are, are being made by Raul. But the, I think the divide then becomes if Raul keeps making mistakes, Kroenke has to hold him to account. And I think that's the actual source of the frustration by the fans. Not that Kroenke is a complete idiot. It's more of if Raul keeps making the wrong choices and he's not the right man to, to lead Arsenal's project moving forward, then Kroenke has to be the one to say, okay, Raul is not the right man for the job. We have to get the right man in. Rather than just hoping and waiting that he eventually gets it right. That'll be the difference. Um and as I was talking about in the chat, you know, people are saying that Arsenal haven't spent money under Kroenke. We spent two hundred thirty million pounds over the last two windows. We, we, we did some. We have we look at. No, we spent. Gav, we spent money, and 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 even if you Come want on, to make no, the no, argument, no, okay, okay, let, let, let's make this 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 cut this up, right? The club, which is funded by the TV money, the commercial money, and the match and the match going fans, spent money. Kroenke spent zero. Yeah, Kroenke has the, never spent. Kroenke is actually in a deficit. Kroenke yes, has actually that, taken out more money out of the club than he's actually put in the club. So okay. we've got, we've got, we've got to like say there, we've got to separate the two. There are you can't very say, you can't say yeah, Kroenke spending yeah, money. There, when yeah, he's I, did, I said money. I said Arsenal spent money. How oh, how they've how they came to getting that money is isn't the discussion. The point is the club the club Arsenal still spent money. The vast majority of. Time. Yeah, so yeah that's, the other, that's the other one. With, 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 it, it's you can duck down all you like, right? No, I just want to finish my point before you interrupt me. That's no, no, difference. no. I'm, well, I'm basically I'm just making sure that we're on the right right thing here, right? It, we're not. The club isn't spending money. The club is spending money that they've earned. The club, yeah, so is, still the, still the, the club money. is the club is still in profit, or was up until the virus. Because the that's how you profit. run a profitable so, business. So, so the club wasn't spending. <laughs> Money, the club was spending the money that it had earned. So the club okay, wasn't so, going so into look, debt spending. 
The so club would so would you would you rather the club go into debt spending and then find itself <coughs> and then find itself in the position where it currently still is and then saying, well, now we're in debt, nothing's gotten better, then people would bemoan the fact that we spent ourselves into debt and nothing got fixed. It can't be both ways. The whole point is the, can, vast, yeah. ma- the vast majority of football owners do not chuck loads of money into their clubs. There are some that do, and, and I'm not refuting bullshit. It's not. I, I'm it not refuting bullshit. That. It's not. The, the Roman Brown, the, there are, there nine, are few, nine, nine, Well, Okay, right. Bournemouth chucked money to get into the Premiership. That's there Bournemouth. Are, I, Liverpool chucked money in. I, I, Man City chucked money in. Any, Man United chucked money in. Yes, yes, Chelsea chucked money yes. in. Tottenham chucked ask, ask any Liverpool fan, and they will directly tell you that Fenway Sports Group has given literally zero dollars to Liverpool to spend in the transfer market. How Liverpool have conducted their business, and it's on public record, is that they took money like the Coutinho money that they earned through a sale and then reinvested it over three years, which was what got them started. Exactly, money. Exact, so, so exactly right. the same as what Arsenal done. We haven't spent any money. The club has spent you've money just, that you've just, earned. Con- you've just contradicted what I didn't contradict myself. You're saying... You are saying that I am saying that Kroenke spent money. I never said that. I said the club is spending money, and they're spending money they're earning, which is what a normal business practice is. The amount of Roman Abramoviches of the world are vastly outnumbered by the amount of clubs that only spend what they make through their own financial means, not well, by being a, not by being booked up. Long, by we've, had lo- we've had long periods under Kroenke where we actually haven't spent the money available. That was the problem. I mean, we can track this back to the summer that we only bought Fucking another prick from Chelsea, Peter Check. Was that uh, the season that, where Cronky didn't own the club? He was well. He was the. Yeah, he, he was in charge. He was in charge. He was in for all intensive purpose. He didn't own the club outright, but in all intensive purpose, he ran the club. He was a leading uh, shareholder, and all but the other shareholders were being a leading. Him. Being and a leading other, shareholder other, doesn't mean you're making decisions. It means you're a part of a board that makes decisions. It's not his what? call. It's the board's call. As a leading shareholder, he doesn't have the final say. He just has a say. Morons, Dan, Dan, why'd you put me on with morons, mate? Don't be, don't be horrible, Gav. They, they've got oh, a point. No. They've spent, stop talking over people. They've the, the club have, have committed to spending a hell of a lot of money for the the Pepe deal, seventy six million pound over four seasons, okay. and the um, the Saliba deal. That's another one. That's more committed money. You're both arguing about the same thing. You're saying he's not putting any money in and not spending any money. Well, he doesn't have to if he's using the money that the club makes as a business. Your point it's, you're making. Yeah, exactly. Hold on, it, it's, hold, on. It's, hold on. No, don't. Right. You, the point you're making is we're not a Man City and we're not a, like a Chelsea where the owners are going to go. We're going to run this club at a deficit. We can't afford to do that. The man, the owner, or we, the owner could afford to do it, but he doesn't do it. He's running the company as a proper company, and that's the point that Drew is making. And Drew's right about that. And you can't, you can't. No, that's 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 my point, Dan. You can't say the club under Cronky are spending big money, right? When literally all they're doing is spending the income, right? And at some point. Okay. They're running it as a business, Gav. You've got two choices when you run a club. You can either run it as a business and you can only buy it once you've got money or plan for money to come in over the next few years. You can't you or, can't you can't you can't lord how much money you can't give it the big one about how much the club is spending. You can't say well done, well done the club, you're spending money when it's the money that the club's been well, the club money, the, the when club, there's been no investment in the club. The club, the club needs is, serious investment. The club has yeah, been under invest since the day we left Highbury. And since the day they signed 
the uh, the lockdown agreement to give the all, everything over to Cronky. The day has been under the club has been underinvested since then. What Cronky doesn't realise, right, and what he fucking one day he might get through through his fucking thick head, right, is the fact that we could get relegated. We could get re- as it's going. We could, and the, the downward slope we're on. We could get relegated in three seasons quite easily. And you can't say, oh, exactly, right? So it's we're not like American sports where all the TV money and all the image rights and all the commercial rights is put into a big bowl and they all have a big slice, you know, they all have a big slice of the pizza each. That doesn't happen over here. What you have that doesn't, have to that doesn't do happen in here. all of American sports either. Mm. I'm an American. I would know that better than you would. So, for example, the reason why the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees are valid as much as they are has nothing to do with the collective bargaining agreement that exists in the MLB. You have to look at the the marketability and the market size. The Yankees and the Red Sox are in bigger markets than, say, I don't know, the Kansas City Royals, which is why the Kansas City Royals don't have they, as much money. They can't get relegated, though, can they? It doesn't matter if they can't get relegated or not, though. That's, the, that's not the point. The point is, and I understand what you're saying, is you, you want an owner to literally go into his own pocket and bankroll the club. I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying you're wrong for having that opinion. I'm no, saying not, no. No, I'm not I'm just saying that's not how Arsenal are run. It's also not how Liverpool are run. It's not how Borussia Dortmund are run. It's not how clubs like Bayern Munich are run. They're run by taking the money that they get through sponsorship, through investment from outside deals through uh, media, through other companies, by Munich, com- com- they, they earn about three times more than Arsenal in commercial deals. Our, yeah, commercial, deals are abs- our commercial deals are absolutely appalling. But do you our know why buy and make that much money in commercial deals? I will <laughs> literally tell you right now. They are in bed with every single major German company on the planet. Because it's Bayern Munich. It's the biggest, not only one of the biggest clubs in the world, they've dominated the German for- footballing scene for 60 well, years. Ar- so Arsenal, 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 Arsenal are the biggest club in the biggest city in Europe. Okay. But that's what I mean. But Arsenal don't dominate. Arsenal don't dominate English football. Bayern Munich dominate German football. So of course they're going to make that much money because when you have companies like Audi, BMW and the like, literally in partnership with Bayern, of course they're going to make more money than Arsenal is. That's completely normal. Bayern also don't Bayern owners and investors don't go into their own pockets and give Bayern money to spend. Bayern have the luxury of being so massive that they can take the money they earn through deals and chuck it into the market. But Bayern owners don't give Bayern money to spend. FSG does not give Liverpool money out of their own pockets to spend. Dortmund does not get money from their owners and investors out of their own money, out of their own pockets, rather, to spend. That's not how it works for any of those teams. And those teams are bigger than we are. And I understand your frustration at how you think that we're not doing enough to improve the team in short order. I'm not saying you're wrong for having frustrations. I'm saying to say that the reason why we're so far behind is because we have an owner who doesn't want to go into his own pocket and give us cash. There's other ways to circumvent that because you're looking at other clubs who are ahead of us in this very same league who do it in a sustainable way. They've just done it better because they've made better decisions. They've made better transfer decisions. So I'll give you an example. Danny brought up us getting Nicola Pepe. We all agree Nicola Pepe is a very good player, do we not? The fact is we also spent 80 million pounds on Nicola Pepe, whereas a club like Liverpool or Spurs 
went and got would go and get like a Steven Bergwijn for under half the price and then reinvest the remaining 50 million pounds into another position or two positions to cover the entire strength of the squad. We're making bad choices with money Dude. that we're earning correctly. It's not that we, we, have, we, we, no we have we have we have paid eighty million pounds for Pepe. We paid eighty million pounds. We physically haven't paid eighty I'm, million pounds for Pepe. I'm aware yet. of how deals work. I know it's stretched out over years, but I'm talking about the overall fee involved was eighty million pounds. That's so. The point is that we're, we're, we didn't. We like my, my point. Is, like I say again, we haven't paid eighty million pounds for Pepe, have we? As it, stands, as, it, as it stands, as it stands right now, we haven't paid eighty million pounds by No, but we're going to over the course of however many years. Okay. It's just like I say. It, it, it's, it, like I say. I mean, when, when you when you quote transfer fees which haven't been actually uh, you know officially put on any books or whatever yet at all. I mean, I heard seventy two, but yeah, let's not quiver about eight million quid. Who, who wants eight million quid? Uh, but like I say, I mean, it, it's all down to remuneration uh, and it's all stage payments, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so it, it, it sounds around. good. Someone comes around and goes, I like your sofa. Where did you get it? You go, I got it from DFS. And they go, how much? You go, well, I'm paying £200 this year, £200 next year, £200. You don't. You go, that's cost me a grand. I'm paying £200 a year for the next five years. You don't say how much individual payments you were doing. No, I did, actually. We bought a new sofa a year ago and our last £100 payment is next month. Now, Gav, you called us morons. Did you really mean that? Yeah, no, I'm serious. My mum said, how much is that so far? I went 100 quid a month for the next uh, year, mum. So, oh, that's nice. All right, Gav, come on, you called us all morons. Did you mean yeah, no, that? I'm, I'm being, you... I'm being, no, I'm being serious. Like I say, it's you, they, they, you can't... I'm just fed up with people leave, giving them this excuse about how much money Arsenal has spent here, there and everywhere to back up the fact that we've been badly run for the best part of 14, 15 years now. He's disagreeing uh, that we've been badly run. He said the Raul thing. He said that Kronke is allowing Raul to do the things that he's doing, and that's mostly the problem, or part of the problem. How long so has Raul we been there? We all love Kronke to go, there you go, Is three or four hundred million pounds. We all want that. It's not going to happen, though. So How long has Raul been there? Eh? How long has Raul been there? I don't know. Three, three two years? years? Two years, three years? Yeah, like I say, it's, leaders, so yeah, about that. It's, yeah, it's it's like I say, it's it's a it's just an ongoing thing. Look, the fact that I go back to the point that the Cronkies have no idea how to run a club and have no idea how to run an English football club or a British football club. They haven't got a clue. And like I say, they can palm it off. Look, I mean, Josh has been very, very forthright and very, very verbal with the fact of how often he's in communication and how he's in control and how he gets up at four o'clock in the morning to watch games and shit like that. They haven't got a clue. They haven't got a clue. The fact that our commercials are so bad uh, and so far behind everybody else is literally because of just how badly him and his dad have been running the club over these years. It's also because uh, we've been shit on the pitch. The reason why Chelsea could get amazing commercial deals because they won the fucking Champions League. They won leagues and titles. We didn't win cups. Cups is what makes you popular. You know, we can sign well, as many see, commercial I mean, deals see, in the UK. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, Gav, no, it's, no, it's all right. I mean, what I would have done, I mean, like I say, I mean, we, we was all, all fed this wonderful dream when we moved away from the home of football. And what they basically did was sell the assets and not actually invest in the playing squad. Now, 
it doesn't take. I mean, like I say, I I only run an Arsenal shop, look, you know, an Arsenal related merchandise shop, which does better when we win and does better when we do well. Uh, so I've got no real <laughs> understanding, I guess. But the better the club does, the more money it earns in merchandise, the more shirts it sells, the more sponsors want to be involved. Uh, the reason why we, we're not doing very well in commercials is because basically we're run by a bunch of losers. It's losers that run our club. Uh, and nobody wants to be associated with a brand which is constantly losing. And that's what Arsenal are looked at in the commercial world. We're looked at as a bunch of losers. That's why we get the second-rate deals. Okay, we've got a good deal with Adidas, uh, but that's literally because we've got so many lemmings that go out and buy shirts all the time, uh, and so many loyal, passionate supporters that have you know that do so. And thank God for that. But unless you actually put proper investment on the pitch, it's just going to keep going down. It's just going to keep going, going down. And like I say, at the moment, we're 10th. We're 10th. You can't back the owners of a club that have seen it drop down to 10th. Chelsea dropped to 10th under Abramovich, and yet he's still backed, and they rebounded. So are you trying to tell me that you're not allowed to have a bad season or a bad two or three years. Every football club on this planet goes through a period. Juve got fucking relegated out of Serie A for reasons unrelated to football, but did you see everyone decide that the club needs to get blown up in a, in a fiery ball of death just because the inevitable fucking happened where they would be depressed for a month? Of course not. Shit happens in sports. You can't always... It is very rare for any team in any sport across the history of athletics professionally to stay at the pinnacle for the entirety of their history. Down periods happen. That's part well, I know, of it. We, and we, I, I know. We, we, we had a down period between 1950 uh, and 1971. And then we yeah, had a down then, period from 1971 right the way up to 1989. Right. So, so I don't I mean, understand yeah, why, why, why are people acting like it's fucking Armageddon? I'm as frustrated as the next person about how shit things have been over the last however many years. But it doesn't mean it's the end of the fucking world. You know, and and yeah, I, I lament with you that we're sitting tenth. I think, in the league. I think I think it's the end of the world. I mean, I I don't because I look at it from a different perspective than you do, maybe, and that's okay. I think, I think we have seen some form of acting with the decline. I mean, this decline, we saw a decline under Wenger. Wenger went. We know that either he was told ego, you know, you can finally leave, or we kicked him out. We can argue the toss over that, but. Um, you know, and then we saw, yeah, then we saw Emery drop, you know, an awful season for us and continued into this. And we acted again. We fired the manager. The quickest way we're going to get a result, a positive result, unfortunately, is you don't really get it through playing staff because you can only change your playing staff at January and the, you know, the summer transfer windows. Changing your manager is what happens so often and why we've got that horrible merry-go-round towards the bottom of the table where, you know, someone like Watford goes through three managers a season. It's because that's the oh. quickest way you see a turnaround. Oh, uh, we've changed our manager. Arteta is the Arteta is yeah. the, the setup we've got at the moment in the manage, managerial setup at the moment is the best we've had in probably well bloody old. It's probably the best we've had since we fucking moved from the from the uh, from Highbury. 
And it's the yeah. most positive I've been about the managerial setup and the youth setup and the way that Arteta and Mertesacker will be dealing with each other and talking to each other, etc. That that's spot on. The problem is is we've got it's the senior pros that are left over from the Wenger era, uh, which are predominantly letting us down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and we've also got David Louise who came in under Emery, but we just oh, fucked us right up. That's a uh, yeah, I think it's all senior pros, irrespective of whose regime they've come under. Have shown they're just mercenaries. I think we mentioned it when Abamyang was signed. I think Drew mentioned that he's a mercenary, Abamyang, in that result. And to be honest, nothing good could see well long term good results. We've seen short term amazing we're not results. Thinking, when, when, we're not shocked. Like, say when it comes to the transfers, we're not. We've never shot in the high we're, echelons, we're, we're, have we? Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears> under the Burkham, really. You say that Burkham, uh, even like I say, it was the anniversary of Charlie uh, Charlie Nicholas signing for us. Charlie Nicholas when he signed for us, everybody yeah. wanted him. I mean, yeah. Man United, Liverpool, even Liverpool, who were the best team in Europe at the time, wanted him, and he signed for us. And then Burkham, uh, like I say, well, yeah, after I mean, Burkham, we, we could it gets go a bit on. difficult, so, doesn't it? Sol Campbell, Sol Campbell, top England, one of the best international defenders, and we got oh, him on the free. Getting a little bit uh, off topic, but yeah, the the point the point is though is <coughs> we are we're not we're not we're not shopping in Waitrose. We're yeah, we're, we're shopping in at, we're shopping in at, at Aldi and Lidl. And I like Aldi. I, I, you know, Have, I get better stuff. I don't want any more ten-minute diatribes, monologues about going back through the history of time. Like you were horrible to us. You called us all morons. I'm not happy about that. And stop it talking over people, because otherwise there's no point being on a podcast if you can't. If someone else can't get their point across, right? So we need to stop that. And then we're going to move on to a few in down points that people have made. Oh, where is it? Right. Gunashai77. That is why they don't run the club day to day. They entrust it to current executives. And I think we can all agree. Well, when once we got in bed with Raul and these agent mates and all that lot, that's when things are starting to go wrong. And we're seeing that now. We've been linked to William that we don't, that I don't think we really need, playing £10 million for Mari, which he's had two games and uh, he may have looked okay. But you can't go and spend that amount of money. If he was that good, then maybe other other teams would have wanted him. I don't see many other people coming in for him. Um, oh, there was another point here. Uh, boy, by um, boy, ten Dio says our scouting is truly unambitious. We've lost our philosophy. We used to scout young talent and develop them in house. We can't do that anymore, either due to mismanagement or the talent not um, just not being there. Right? When and, did we? Sorry. When 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 did we develop in house talent? Are we going back to the eighties here? Because it's certainly I mean, the only players that Wenger bought through was Ashley Cole and Jack Wiltshire. And that was in twenty years. Yeah, so I think he's saying it's truly ambitious at the moment. And we've let a load of our scouts go during the COVID period. So that's not going to help us long term as well. And someone else made another point here. Um oh, I can't find it now because I'll every time you I click on something, it then drops down to the bottom of the page. Uh, I think that the I don't know who made the point, but they were saying that we need to stop buying players or Wenger bought in loads of players with no sell on value, and that's the position we're in now. And it, you can't, 
although none of us like Cronky, a lot of the stuff going on, Cronky isn't directly going to and buying these players. He's giving these jobs to other people. And like Jason says every time on the radio show, Raul is a fraud and he needs to be out of the club because we thought we were in a bad position when we had, um, uh, what was the bloke, Josh? One who went to Milan? Gazidis. We thought he was bad. Now, we're in bed with all these players and we're going to get the same players from the same agents over and over. Well, so it seems. I don't know. Right. We're going to move on a little bit because we spent an hour of, of, of Gav shouting at everyone. So we're going to move on to um, uh, goalkeeping situation, Josh. Um, just looking, the news came out. What was the news about um, M- uh, Leno today? How long do they say he's out for? Uh, he is out for the quote unquote, end of the season, which yeah. is six weeks. Right. Also, so we won't see Leno again this season. So it looks like it's the um, Argentinian Almunia. Oh, no, that's a bit harsh. Uh, right, so it's going to be right. he's going to be in goal for uh, on against Southampton. That's almost definite because uh, the other goalkeepers we got at the club, Matt Macy, he's twenty five, six foot three, six foot four, six foot five, depending on where you go and look. His last game was the twenty eighth of February. And you didn't you say, Josh, that he's recently been signed a new one-year extension? I, I think he's either got a one-year or I just got the wrong transfer, uh, wrong contract end date. Yeah. Either of the two. Okay, well, this season he's played two League Cup games, beat Forest 5-0, drew 5-5 with Liverpool. That didn't make him look good and then lost the penalty shootout. He's played three EFL trophy games and that's where our under-23s go and play teams from League 1 and League 2. And we drew um, 1-1 at Northampton, then lost on penalties. We lost 1-0 at Peterborough and we drew 1-1 with Cambridge United and then we won on penalties. And then he's played five Premier League under-23 games, um, 2-2 Liverpool, 4-2 against Man City, 3-3 Everton, 1-0 to Brighton we lost and we beat Blackburn 3-1. So none of those games there is really look magnificent. But um, Craig was saying on the same old Arsenal show last night that when he was on loan at, um, at Reading uh, last season, that he looked fantastic and the Reading fans didn't want him to go. So uh, I think it's a half decent. No, that was um, that was Martinez who was on loan at Reading. Yeah. So Matt Macy has recently spent some loan. I think he was at Luton a couple of years ago. He and was made, at Plymouth last season, uh, down with Chris. The season, before, the season before that, he was on loan at Luton. And I remember that Luton got into the, the conference uh, playoff final and they didn't keep him on loan. I remember thinking at the time, that's that's not very good. So I don't think Matt Macy's got a future with the club. But Drew, what's your thoughts on having Martinez as um, our number one goalkeeper? And there's been talk that Joe Hart, his contract will be cancelled with Burnley on the 30th of June, is it? So from the 1st of July, he's a free agent. Do you think we should go for something like that? I'd fucking hang myself if we got Joe Hart. I'm just putting it out there now. But even more importantly, I don't think you can even link that because Arteta was part of the coaching staff that been Joe Hart from Manchester City. So why would he want him back? Forgot about that. Yeah. I don't, I, I can't see that happening. I think we're better off just sticking with Martinez, maybe going with Macy as a number two. Um, you know, obviously he's been there long enough. You know, he's got some, some decent qualities about him as a keeper. So I think you just run with it. And, and more importantly, we don't know what's going to happen with the transfer market post COVID what's been going on. And, and we don't know if we'll be able to find someone in the market that could come in and, which should be fine. Leno's only be out for six weeks, you know, and that's a much better estimate. Some people were talking about, you know, him getting a knee dislocation or doing his ACL, and that's, you know, that's six months out, if, if not longer. And then for keeper, there's residual issues considering, you know, the nature of being a keeper. Anything that's gone wrong with your knee could be devastating to a career. So 
uh, I think we're looking at the best case scenario. I think we just kind of rolled the punches, and if it's only for six weeks, he misses the rest of the season, and he'll be he'll be fine for the next one. And Martinez, for now, will have to do a job and be fine. Loki, cheers. Loki says uh, Macy is a big chap. Saw him at Cambridge, played well. Um, Gav, what's your thoughts on the the situation with uh, Martinez being the number one for the rest of the season? Would you look to bring someone more experienced in? No, we're gonna. I don't think. I, I'm not even sure whether that's possible due to the rules and regulations. Anyway, even if somebody is on the free, I think it's almost nil and void till the season's over. Uh, I can't see. I don't think it's in the rules that you can actually register a player until the season's over. So. I think it's a bit of a mute point, really. Richard from uh, our pod says, Leno is only out for six weeks. We don't need Hart. That's probably a good point, but it is a bit a bit annoying when, um, would you all agree that uh, Leno has been our best player of the season? Anyone disagree with that? No. There you go. No, between him and Abamio. <laughs> we all agree. <laughs> the, 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 the only highlight of Leno being injured is there's less chance of them selling him in the summer. Oh, yeah, that's that is um that is. as our as our as your our journalist friend Mr. Collins said many, many months ago, Dan, that uh everybody's up for sale. And the goalkeeper position, if we could if an offer come in for forty or fifty million quid for Leno and we felt we could get a replacement for twenty million, we would sell him and spend the excess elsewhere. Yeah, but then who's going to want Leno right now? It's not, and I don't mean that as because he's a bad keeper, but look at all the top clubs in the world. They already have top keepers. So selling Leno, I don't think, think is on the books at the moment. Newcastle, if they get taken over by the uh, Arabs? I mean, I, I, I don't – I think if it was about money, I don't think Leno would have ended up at Arsenal because there were other clubs who also had interest who could have paid similar, if not more, money for him. So, And, mm-hmm. and why in God's name would he want to go to Newcastle in the first place? And obviously that's no disrespect, but – I don't know. We're in dire shits at the moment, but we're not in it's, dire shits on Newcastle it's, it's, level, surely. It's, it's, a, it's a good night out in Newcastle. We might enjoy it. I mean, mm. I'm pretty sure he's married, so I don't think he has anything much to enjoy apart from just spending time with this person. But I don't know. I don't know his lifestyle. So. Well, the Newcastle deal does look a bit dodgy. There's uh, there's quite there's a, a couple of um, ones going. I don't know if the right ones are going to buy him or not. But if they are for the right ones for Newcastle, then. Uh, I personally would think that's quite nice. Newcastle, I like the town, I like the people, I like the club. I feel sorry for the fans. And it'd be nice if the right buyers did come in and buy them because uh, I think one of them might be a little bit shifty and the other one may be good. But it'll be it'll be hilarious for us um, watching Man City crying because the team that own, uh, that might, if, if the right ones do buy Newcastle, then they're going to be have more money than all the other Premier League, probably all the teams in the world put together, possibly. I did see something on transfer market when they were talking about that. So that's, that's going to be interesting. But we're not a Newcastle podcast, so we won't go on about that. Um, right, the next thing I want to tell, we've also got a couple of reserve goalkeepers. We've got Carl Jacob Hine, who is an Estonian, 18, six foot something. He's played 11 under 23 games this season and only three clean sheets. And then you've got Arthur uh, Okonkwo, who is 18, six foot four. He was the bloke who came in at the end of last season for the under-23s, played four games, kept three clean sheets. He is absolutely, looks brilliant. Um, I've seen a, a couple of highlights of him playing. Oddly, he hasn't played a single game since the end of last season. And I did ask George Bird about that. And George said that I think he might have had an injury. But I think with all the stuff that's going on at the moment, it's really hard to know 
um, to, to set up reserve games, which is why Matt Macy's played hardly any games. Um, right, uh, Drew, start with you with this one. FIFA, yeah. is it FIFA Pro or Thief Pro? Doesn't matter. I'd say it wrong either way. I'll go with Probably. FIFA. Pro. Um, have said they are concerned as players need to require need and require between five and six weeks off after a season to rest before resuming football. But the season will now start later. The players want five weeks off and have Euro 2020 next summer. How will they fit all that in? But I've also put, but the World Cup 2020 was meant to be played in the summer of 2022, uh, but it's now going to be played in December 2022. So that gives them a little bit of wriggle room, doesn't it? What do you, what do you think they're going to do? Um, has any, have you heard about when the Premier League is, next season is going to be starting? No, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know it's going to potentially be tricky because, you know, as someone who I've been coaching for, you know, almost 20 years now, and time off for players is actually incredibly important. After a long season, your body does have to recover. Um, especially when you're playing at a level and a frequency that you play in, in certain leagues. That's why the Bundesliga exists in the Bundesliga, for example. You need that time off. So it'll be tricky, but and I think this is going to be a position where a club like City might thrive over a club like Liverpool because City have the depth of Liverpool don't. In a, in a, in a short summer, longer, you know, long season, depth and rotation is going to be key. Um, I think clubs might have to be really creative about how they how they get their players both the rest they need and also injury prevention is going to be massive um next season and, and i think someone uh, who i speak to often brought up something in a side chat a couple hours ago about all of a sudden you're seeing arsenal players come up with little niggling injuries here and there and i think that speaks to the fact that they already had their intensity upped from what emery was having them do on the pitch and now arteta requires more pressing um need to be more fitter and then all of a sudden now you're getting all these little bumps and nickels and, and, and muscle things so that speaks to you know if you don't get the, the right amount of rest and if you're not handled correctly these things can happen so i'm not quite sure what the Premier league is going to do obviously but um sure certainly protecting players will have to be a priority of not just the league but individual clubs as well i mean they'll have to look at changing how they normally operate to, to, to augment it for sure Yes, Josh, do you think the players um, psychologically will have seen the three month without football as a kind of break and then not expect a summer holiday as well? You're muted. God's sake, amateur hour. Um, yeah, oh, sorry, what was I saying? I've, well, I was the only one that could hear it. So um, no one knows what I was talking about. Uh, the fact that we're still getting them to do training and stuff whilst they were in lockdown, I think says that perhaps they want some time to kind of freshen up. I know there's been, well, we all know there's travel bans as well. So something where they can kind of get out of the UK, kind of, you know, get some proper relaxation. I think that's what's really needed. And then start again with a proper preseason. I think that's what we more. I think that's what we need more is a proper preseason, rather than do the players need a holiday, from a selfish point of view. Um, but in general, I think we'll see a six-week holiday kind of come in, so, and then another four weeks of preseason. Good, Gav. When do you think the season after the um, this Premier League season is over? The FA Cup final is going to be held. I've kept it here because I thought one day I might need it. Is going to be on the first of? No, that's not right. The first of August. Oh yeah, the July. final of August. Yeah. Yeah. So 
taking that as the final, will that be the last game of the season? Does anybody know? If if everything goes to plan, I'm just looking at Arsenal's game. Our last game is the 26th of July at home to Watford. So it looks like the FA Cup final on the 1st of August is going to be the last game of the season. How long a break do you think the players should have or, or, or need before the new Premier League season starts again? Because they need to get a wiggle on, don't they? I'd literally give them, I'd, I'd literally say a fortnight. Yeah, was well, that because I, I, they've had three months off? Huh? Is that because they've had three months off? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, the problem the problem with the breakdown was the fact that nobody knew how long it was going to last for. So they probably tried to emphasise the players keeping their fitness up as much as possible throughout the whole of it. So the players might not have got the full rest. And then they had three weeks' notice to ramp it up. Uh, personally, I'd give them a week off. Give them a week off and then get back to it. Good luck with that. Yeah, I don't think well, be I'll, I'll be honest with you, mate. If I was earning the money there on, I wouldn't even be bothered about a holiday. Do well, you know what I mean? Boy 10 says, uh, imagine you were being paid 250 grand a week in British pounds. You got to spend three months at home because of COVID and you still want a holiday. I think it's a more of a psychological thing that you're going to, you do need a. They've, they've had, they've, they've had that. They've, they've, their bodies have had the break. They're, they're, if you're a, a tw- 25, well, in fact, let's be honest, every professional football player has never had a three-month break from the age of eight. The majority of players playing in the Premiership have been playing at some form of professional club since I was about eight years old, and they've never had three months off. They've had their three months off. Yes, this season is going to be a long one, I do think that they should just get on with it straight away, enforce the winter break like we had this year, which in hindsight was fucking stupid because the weather was great anyway. But, you know, have a two, you know, get get on with it straight away, have a two week break in January, and then just carry through. Right, Josh has just put, cheers, Gav, has just put um, the, uh, for completely, because we're Arsenal, I completely forgot about Europe. It says on Wikipedia that the 2020 Champions League final held in Lisbon is going to be on the 23rd of August. So if we finished our season on the 1st of August, Drew, two weeks later is going to be, say, the 15th of August, but that'll be the new Premier League season starting before the last season's Champions League is over. So how, how do we do that? True. Oh, this is for me. Sorry, I spaced out. You have to repeat <laughs> yourself. Yeah. So, the, if our FA Cup final is going to be the last game of the season on the first of August, yeah. the Champions League final is on the twenty third of August. Mm-hmm. Does that affect when our Premier League season can start? Could uh, could we realistically have a two week break and start the Premier League for the next season on the say the fifteenth of August after a two week break, but still not have played the Champions League final? Is that even feasible? I mean, you, you could realistically do anything. It, it comes down to the powers that be, whether if I agree with it or not, it's an entirely other story. What's your thoughts um, on it? I'm always of the opinion that, you know, I don't know, athletes should only push themselves to a certain limit. It's not that they can't handle it. It's that, again, it's better, almost better sometimes to err on the side of caution than to force them into a position where, you know, you're, you're, you're putting the, the, the risk, it just increases exponentially in, in theory. So, I don't know. I, a delayed start doesn't really necessarily bother me. I mean, I know that a lot of may not like it just because, again, you're pushing football back for something, and I, and I understand that that side of it. But, 
I don't know, again, there's only, I don't know, I got, you got to find that balance. If you, there's, no, there's no point in pushing it back to like starting to like October. That doesn't make any sense, but there's nothing wrong with starting it in, 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 in early, you know, in early or mid-September, I guess. It depends. I don't know. It's just a case-by-case basis. In the, in the I saw we something about the League Cup. So, so I saw something about the League Cup going uh, for next season. That would make or, sense. Yeah. Because most people don't really like it anyway, do they? I mean, just give it to Man City like they win every other season. And that's and a good way to augment the amount that players are playing. But to yeah. get rid of that one competition, you're, you're, if you want to start on time, limiting the, the amount they're actually having to play, I mean, that I guess that's a fair compromise. If you're going to want to start relatively on time, then that, that's yeah, the compromise. Yeah, it only really helps uh, you know, the bottom 12 teams that aren't in Europe. The other teams well, yeah, that are in true, Europe but still got the same amount of fixtures, roughly. Very enough. true. But I guess it's kind of, it's almost like the the... the, the most amount of damage control you can actually do and have under your control, you may as well try it, I suppose. But yeah, Bulgarian Guna says, I think next season will start um, September, October. Um, well, Nikki Wilson says, Give Abamyang a week at Butlins. I'll take you know what that is, true. It's a very cheap holiday camp. You get all in for 50 quid a person. Cheap. Oh, well, yeah, but the last time I went in about 1982, it was cheap. Do you, know um, much, do, you know, do you know how much Butlins is for a week in August this year? I wouldn't go to Butlins, would I? It's, it's full of uh, northerners. Seven, 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 1,700 quid then for a week. Yeah, they can get fucked. I'd want a well, month. That's say, so it, so it, it, it's, it's not cheap, mate. Trust me. Oh, okay. Right. Um, Andrew from the podcast Dial Square to Wear. Go and find him on the internet and listen to his stuff. Very good. He says... Um, I don't agree. Just get rid of two leg ties in all competitions. That would make it a bit saucy, wouldn't it? I'd quite like that. Maybe get rid of the League Cup and do that. And uh, there's a few other things you could do like that. There we go, Loki. No internationals will help. Well, knocking out international friendlies and getting rid of that. What's that thing, Josh? The um, the thing they play in between the, the European Championships and the World the Cup. Nations League. The Nations League. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody even know what the point of that is? Hey, we won it. Uh, well, we kind of won it, but we didn't win it, but we did. There you go, then. We won our group, but we didn't win it. Excellent. Um, right, what's... Uh... Oh, here we go. Richard's backing up, Gav. Butlins is only cheap when the schools are on half-term. It's yeah. a rip-off. Disgusting. Right. Uh, well, well done. Uh, we're, we're getting along with this nicely. So I've already done that bit there, moving down. We've done all this. Lot. We've done the FIFA Pro thing. Arteta's stats. Just want a quick uh, word on whether you think this is Okay. Seven, played 17 games, he's won eight, drawn five, only lost four. Is that right? How can he only lost four when he's lost two in a week? We anyway. were unbeaten in 2020 until COVID. There yep. you go. That's why he, you're he on. Lost his, he's, lost his, he's lost his first two and his last two. Scored 24 goals, conceded 17 goals and had seven clean sheets. Gav, without going on for 10 minutes, uh, is that something to work with? Uh, you're not one of those people who want him out, are you? Oh, they're fucking morons who want him out. Don't be horrible to the listeners as well. No, well, I'll be honest with you. Anybody, Arteta's got, he's got a plan. He's got the coaching side around him. He's got the youth back up with regards to that. Yeah. Uh, he just needs Cronky to uh, put his hand in his pocket and invest in his sporting enterprise. Well, let's just hope he does. Good. Drew, thoughts on Arteta's record and... Uh, I know without even asking you, you don't want him to go because you're not mad. I think for once, Gav and I agree, which is good. <laughs> I think people who want Arteta gone are actually morons. But Yay. 
Um, but if you but if you look at it, you know, his first match in charge actually on touchdown was Bournemouth. You know, we ended up losing to Chelsea, but we beat United, we drew Chelsea. Before COVID, we only lost one league match under Arteta with him on a touchline, and then COVID hit. We actually won three on the spin before, right before COVID hit. So it's clear we were on the uptick. We were on the right track, and you have to remember that before Arteta, we had two managers in the last three years, two wildly different managers, and the players had to think about from a playing perspective. If you have that many managers in short order, all who want different things, think of the adjustment period that you have to deal with as a player, not just the managers in, in the reverse. So it's it's a lot. It's a heavy task, and you know, with with even Europa League as an outside shot, you have to look at the rest of the season as almost like a very extended preseason where Arteta's trying to assess the squad and see what he wants to do, figure out tactics, and then you move forward next season. And then that's when you can really start to be critical. Right now, it's just a very large teasing period. So, no, he needs to stay. And, and I like the ideas he has. I just hope we make right decisions at board level to, to support him. So. Dan, thanks. Sorry, mate. Can, can, can I ask Josh a question? Just, well, just no, going on for... Oh. Just going on from what you said, it's a, it's a nice one. Go on then. In, in going on from what you just said, Josh, would you be in favour of Arteta playing the players for the rest of this season that he wants to keep and dropping the players that he doesn't fancy for next season? Do you mean me or do you mean Josh, Josh? I, I can answer it. Well, both, both, both of you. Both of you. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't do the kind of thing of play the kids for the rest of the season. Purely because if we don't want these players, we need to put them in a shop window. You know, if we don't want Lacazette to be here next season, well, keeping him on that form of not scoring goals isn't going to sell him or isn't going to get a team going, oh, yeah, Lacazette, we'll give you 10 million for him. If we, you know, play him for the rest of the season, he gets five goals We can to the rest of the season. We can at least start adding more pounds or more zeros to the end of his transfer figure. And I think that's where I kind of look at it. And I think... You would, look, you would look at it more about Arteta building, building his team, giving the younger players more minutes. You wouldn't think that would be more beneficial? Because, I, mean, so, I mean, for, okay, for instance, if... I, I mean, all right, I mean, Saka's probably a word in question, but, I mean, if, if we brought on, like, the Niles and Nelson... Uh, Obviously, if they be- if they become get more minutes this season and went into next season more confident, then it actually increases their book price. So that might actually be more beneficial than trying to increase the book price of somebody who doesn't actually want to keep. Yeah, I get what you're saying in terms of trying to integrate these players into uh, Arteta's way of thinking, uh, showing what they can do in a match scenario. I think that's the other thing that you know he's got all of these players in training. We, you know, day in, day out now, he can get a proper look at them, work out who he does and doesn't want. Uh, in terms of like players, young players like Gwen Doozy, uh, Joe Willock, I think uh, Martinelli, those kind of ones, even Saka. Whilst we kind of think this season is a bit of a write off, I think they've played a lot of football as well. So they could do with a little bit of a rest. This is an intense period that we're coming into with games every three well, days. And yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you don't, want, you don't want to play them three times a week, but they've no. still had three months off. And yeah, That's the problem, like though, because they, they weren't three yeah. months off at their kind of peak. Yeah, I can do three games a week like they can at the height of a season. I think it was a mm. short, sharp return 
to action, uh, especially in terms of match fitness. We've seen, uh, you know, how many injuries we've ended up with. I know uh, Leno is an impact injury, but Mari and uh, Xhaka going down were both kind of, you know, muscle didn't injuries. Didn't Shaka get a knock going down? I thought we, I thought we, he kicked. Hey, he maybe kicked he caught his foot or something. Maybe. Mm. But I think, yeah, go on. Anyway, so, sorry, go on. Yeah. Avon uh, Teddington has counter um, argumented your argument, if that's not a double negative. The other side of the coin is if Lacker fails in game after game, you could devalue him further. Aha, that's a very good point, Avon. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Uh, I mean, is the money we'd get for him now what we'd want to get for him? Never. No, we're asking. And I think it's it's that kind of gamble, isn't it? That you kind of look at how much you want for a player and you know what? If he doesn't score for another game, so yeah, we're going to be stuck with Lacazette because no one will come in for him. The other flip on that is obviously there's been rumours with regards to big clubs wanting uh, a bang yet. I can't see us selling both of them in the same summer. So I think one of them I think one of them's going and it could it could be either of them. So like I say, if a Bangan is the one to go and he's the obviously it's his turn because he's club captain, so you know, no one's club captain for longer than a year anyway before they get sold. Uh it's it, it's just a bit of a weird one. Do you know what I mean? It, it's uh, it's just a very, it's a very, it's a very odd time when basically you know everybody, literally everybody in the whole of the first team squad, is up for sale. Yeah, I think it would that, give that, us so much, so much instability selling both of them. Uh, as as great as oh. Inketia is, you know, came through our youth academy, uh, that he's not the right level for us if we want to be pushing higher up the league. He's not going to be that goal scorer. It's going to get us 20, 30 goals a season. Not yet, anyway, and I don't think next season is his time. But we've already mentioned that the midfield needs an entire overhaul in there. Yeah, and trying to do that and rebuild a defence and rebuild an attack, I think it's just too many things at once. The, the, I think the one thing we need to consider, and I advocate this pretty heavily, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree, but. Just look at it in terms of, of again, of long-term and squad building. If you want to put faith in, in the process and if you want to do things like overhaul the midfield and worry about the defense, and if we're going to run sustainably, you know, we you, almost you need to sell. And selling someone like an Obama Yang now, who, it's and again, it's not because he doesn't have something to give. It's You have to look at it on the broader picture. He's going to be 31 years old if you extend him another two or three years you're talking about a 33 or 34 year old forward who while he's a brilliant goal scorer much of his game is relied on his pace and you're going to start to hit that age where most players most athletes lose their quickness as they age past a certain point so if you extend him he's going to rapidly depreciate over the last over the next two or three years and then by the time his contract is up do you want to be saddled with a scenario where you're likely not going to be able to sell him for any amount of profit and you have to eat his entire contract until he walks on the free. Or you can hopefully cash in. And even if you only get 40 of the 60 million you might be valued, you can take that 40 million, put faith in rotating Lacazette and Kenya and take that 40 million and apply it elsewhere to the squad. You can get someone like the part to deal of a line. You can get another center back, another center back, you know, whatever it might be. Again, and, and these are things that you have to look across 
of the teams that they've done again you know Liverpool didn't want to sell Coutinho but they got 100 million for him and reinvested it correctly right so it's decisions that we have to actually look at and I think we all agree that it's hard to look at any players right now bar a couple and say that they're not on the block not because so in some in some cases they're not good enough or the wages are a disaster zone but in other cases it's just more of we need to start getting the right people in and there's a lot of the wrong people still left and I think we can all agree there like someone like Mkhitaryan like I don't care if we get money back for him. I just want his wages off the book. Doesn't <laughs> the money is irrelevant. Get 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 his money off off the wage bill. That's the yeah, primary. Nah, that'll, help us, that'll help us immeasurably moving forward. So, and is, I do, is it, is it, so, go sorry, on, go on. No, to, no, go, go. yeah, no, I'm, I'm just cutting in because it's relevant. Isn't there a deal for him with Rome? I wasn't. I have read somewhere that there it's already been like almost done, like 10, 10 million or something. I mean, I have no idea. I know, I I do know that Roma want him. Like, I think it's pretty obvious they want him to come on a full deal. I think, that, I think the rumor is that we're trying to get Justin Clivert to come the other way. That business doesn't make any sense to me at all. But it, it is what it is. I'm not the one making the decision. So, um, but again, for us, it's just got to be like him and El, like El Nani is another problem. El Nani's career at Arsenal is finished. Like he has to be moved this summer. It cannot be a well. It's fine. We'll let him burn down his deal. We can all think back and lament about countless examples of players within recent history who we couldn't move and we were just saddled with the contract because we they shouldn't have been bought in the first place and we could never shift them off anywhere to begin with. So if we're going to do things right from a squad building perspective, that mentality has got to be shifted and has to be shifted ASAP. Yeah, no, I agree there completely. This summer, this summer is a prime example of that for me. And and I agree with you guys that one of Lagazette or Aubameyang not only – should go this summer, but I think one of them will want to because you know Oba will always get goals because he's he's an instinctual player. But ideally, he wants to be playing centrally, and it's clear that Arteta wants a more well-rounded forward through the middle. And Oba's not that player, so he's going to be happy with playing left wing the entire time. How does that affect Martinelli's development? What about you know Bukayo Saka? These are all questions you have to think about in terms of balancing the squad. So. Again, I don't think and no one can be outside the crosshairs. I think we have to start making some hard choices that we might not want to make now, but we'll be happy with later. That's just again, that's just my take. So, right. Um, so, how here has said uh, David has signed a new contract. If you look through Twitter, all the people who know say Louise has signed a new contract. Josh, do you? How tall is that window? And is there any point you diving out of it head first? Uh, no, I'm on the ground floor. So worst thing I'll do is just get a bloody nose, maybe. Sad, sad times. Oh, also the sash windows, they don't open large enough for me to jump out anyway. So so none of the above. Uh, It depends on what that new deal is. We haven't seen any links with contracts. And the the last deal that we heard or contract David Lisa signed was apparently for two seasons. This one might be six weeks. God knows. (laughs) Avon <laughs> says Luis is here for another year. Uh, Gav, can you summarise what you think about Luis staying for another year in in one sentence? Do we need another person to sweep the stands of the ground? Oh, that's very uh, that's very good. Well done. You you weren't horrible to me, Gav. We we all agreed earlier, so you can say something nice about us three. No, like, like I say, I mean I've got no problems whatsoever in saying I love you guys and I love the chat. And if we have a disagreement on one subject, and I call you a moron about that yeah. subject, doesn't 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 mean you're a moron on anything. I mean, the the, the last the last few comments I've completely agreed with. Good. That's like what you're saying. I, I disagree with you. It makes. I mean, I get it. 
Shush. All right, you're allowed to I'm call them beer. Because we've, we've known each other for years, but you can't call these two morons because Josh will have a cry and Drew will uh, find out where you live and kill you in your sleep. <laughs> He's not listening. Oh, he is listening. <laughs> there you go. I was about to say what 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 Drew what Drew just said about the transfer window. I thought it was it was absolutely bang on, really really bang on. You're giving everyone the wrong impression. Uh, we are all in WhatsApp groups together, people. So although Gambit got a little bit heated, that's it's always good to uh, let you things get a little bit heated. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not personal. It's no, the what you know. Like I say. You've called me. I call you on, but I, I call, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's you know, it's, it's in the, it's in debate. So good, right? Uh, um, what we're going to do? <laughs> a lot of people are saying they like the idea. Oh, here we go. Uh, someone's uh, oh that fuckety fuck fuck thing. Oh, Avon. Avon's full of the decent things. He's a uh, fuckety fuck 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 fuckety. Though I appreciate it's not a sentence. <laughs> I don't even know what that was for. Uh, yeah, a lot of oh, people... That, uh, Louise. Louise, stay for another year. All oh, right, okay. A lot of people here saying they like the idea of um, Patrick Clivert's son. What's his name? Drew? Justin Clivert. Justin Clivert, who... Would you agree that he possibly went to Roma a little bit too early? And did, They got yeah. him my axe, didn't they? Yeah, he went too early. Like I said in the chat just now, he he made the same mistake Memphis Depay made, where he went off, off the back of one or two very, very good seasons before he was actually ready to make that jump. There's a huge jump in class from, you know, being brilliant in Eredivisie every week, a, a league that isn't exactly brilliant at defending, really. But it's a league that screams technical quality and, and then jumping to one of the top four or five leagues in Europe. So um, I think for value, he's actually, he's a good young player. I think he'll come good someplace. I just think he went too soon. Okay, so, so do, you, do you think, because you, um, you know, you're Serie A, like a few of us, well, so a few of us, don't include me in that. So you think it'd be a good idea, even if we said to Roma, straight swap for him, you're going to prefer um, Cliver for Mkhitaryan, because then you'd be getting, Cliver isn't going to be on 280 grand a week or 250 or whatever it is. He's no, I mean, I think the max he would probably do is like 100. I think there was a rumor that he want, would want double the wages if he's going to leave. And I mean, that kind of sucks. But um, the, the key for me and, we've been talking about this from a lot of places everywhere is that if we're going to bring in players of a certain player profile, they have to have resale value. And we've all agreed in this chat that one of the biggest issues we've had in transfers for years is that we've brought in players that depreciate. And then when we, we need to move them or we need to reinvest and, and get funding on board, we can't do it. So someone like Clivert, even if he comes in and he only has a decent national career, if you try to move him on, you'll still get a return on your investment. And that's the difference between, what someone like a, a Manchester United has been doing where they're buying high valued players who don't appreciate and then they don't actually they don't actually improve. Over someone happening. like right, over someone like Liverpool who buys low market value but high talent and then it appreciates and then they can reinvest it if they need to refresh the squad every three or four years, which is what you always need to be doing anyway. So Right, quick question for you while we're talking about and we'll move on after this one from uh, Andrew from Dahl Square. He says, is he any better than Saka, Trey Cole, Tyrese John-Jules and Emil Smith-Rowe and Martinelli? I mean, he's, he's, he's certainly better than half of those players he just listed. Yeah. Um, I I personally, if you if you wanted me to, to go on record, I would say I think starting next season, Martinelli should be the, the starting left winger at Arsenal Football Club. That's my opinion. I think... He's earned it. I think he took his chance. I think he's the exact type of left-sided player we actually need. Yeah, I I would put my stock and just run with him and, and and let him let him flourish and let him develop there and and let him be first choice. Um, 
I think Emil Smith Rowe is is going to end up being more of a central player, whether if he's a ten or an eight or a ten eight hybrid. I think he'll end up more like an Aaron Ramsey than anything else, who started as a ten but ended up really becoming an eight, like a six eight. And then I think he does where he really made his name. Um, again, I think the jury is still kind of out on on on, on Tyree Strangles and the like, but I think Clive is better than them. Whether we don't know how Tyree Strangles is going to develop, but I think at current he certainly is better. And I think it's clear that Saka's future seems to be more central. I think Arteta's already shown that card, so I don't know. If anybody's if it, not... Do you think, oh, go on, Gav. So, sorry, Dan, just just going back to what you said, do you think Martinelli, question for the other boys, do you think Martinelli will eventually become a nine? He, uh, I think he could, but in the same way mm-hmm. that... Thierry Henry it, it, becomes a nine. Well, I was going to say more Kylian Mbappe. It's a similar <clears throat> kind of quick, powerful winger that could play as a striker if he really wanted to, but I think it depends on your system. That if you're going to play against a team that, well, we've seen it in these kind of return, um, Aubameyang can't get in behind a lot of teams unless he's on the wing. If he's up top, we're not going to play that ball straight over. We almost want him on the wing and kind of dovetail off someone like Lacazette to then play him in. I think it depends on who we have as other options. If we still had Giroud, I think it would make sense for him to be on the wing and Giroud kind of feeds that ball through him as a proper target man. That's what I see with Martinelli. It depends on what we want to do, uh, what uh, Arteta wants to do. But him, he's, he's, he's quite, he's quite tall though, Martinelli, isn't he? He's not, a, he's not a short boy. He's, he's no. a six foot plus, isn't he? Go on, yeah. get your stats out. How tall yeah, is Martinelli? We've got, um, we've got a six foot plus winger already in Pepe as well. So it's not mm. necessarily a thing that your wingers are tiny anymore. Uh, there are some big, t- there are some big wingers out. No, there. but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, like I say, I, mean, I think Martinelli might be able to do the hmm. both the role of holding it up, uh, as well as dropping the shoulder and you know taking the like, the slide ball through as well. Yeah, I was just thinking of what um, how we make the best of all his attributes. I think his best attribute oh. at the moment is he loves to take a player on. I don't think we can do that if he's got his back to goal. Yeah, no, fair. Right. Point. So, next, next thing we're going to go on to is uh, Arsenal, one of my favourite players as a, as a young man, Kevin Campbell. He On Twitter, go find him and follow him. He's fantastic. He's, he t- tweeted this earlier. I was taught from a young age that before you get to play fancy football, you have to earn the right to play, which means being mentally tough and battling fighting on the pitch to get the upper hand against your opponent. I did not see that in this present Arsenal side, do you? Brilliant. That's why we love Kevin. He's available on the um, Highbury Squad podcast with Amanda and Sophie. And, uh, yeah, he's doing quite a lot of stuff at the moment, which is really nice to see. One of our own up there. And, uh, yeah, making Alan Shearer look like the tit that he is and Lineker and the rest of them, actually. Uh, I did a thing here on the injured suspended, but there we're going to move on from that. A little bit here. Um, Josh, on the transfer window, uh, the UEFA executive meeting has proposed the following to close the transfer window on October the 5th for all the leagues in Europe. But the individual leagues can pick to change it if they want. It's only a proposal. And but UEFA have said the player registration for the group stages of the Champions League and the Europa League close on the 6th of December of 6th of October. So a, a day after. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because personally, I think the whole thing is such a mess. I don't think it makes any difference. I think we'll be in Europe next season. I don't think it's a concern. 
No. Uh, and to be honest, I thought we would, I'm pretty sure the January window is really similar to that anyway, in terms of when the Champions League cutoff is for updating your squads. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure we'll stay in it anyway. Any thoughts on that, Drew? No, no, I'm pretty much right where Josh is at the moment with that one. And I'm agreeing with him too, my ones. Oh, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> right, now we're on to listeners' questions from the freeloading scumbags. Right, first one for you, Gav. Um, no, because I don't want you to give a nine-hour answer. Um, right, I'm oh, ask- I'll, be, I'll be quick, I'll be quick. I'm going to ask the question, and then I'm going to decide who answers it. Um, (laughs) On Facebook, we are taking Facebook questions. If anybody wants to email us a question, it's uh, birdcampwonderland at gmail.com, but I check the emails once every month or so. So, yeah, it probably won't be relevant by the time I get it. He says, um, hi, guys. Do you think Mikel Arteta will be in charge at the beginning of next season? I would not be surprised if he resigns as he has such a big job and won't be giving the funds to build the team. Um, I've never been this worried about my football club. I can see us going like Arsenal did in the 1980s, finishing mid-table with no funds available. I'm not sure what Mikel can do to improve us, and I see it being like this for maybe three to four years. He said the 1980s, Gav. That's your kind of reason, because that's the last time you were, you were a child. I was nice then. I was going to say something else. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so is it the worst? Could you see this end up being the worst period in Arsenal since the 80s when we were diabolical? Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. We're now... What's, what are we now? 16 years since we last won the league title. Okay. The longest we've been since winning the league title is 18 years uh, <laughs> since we, when that. we first won it. So, like I say, we're, we're looking very close to being the longest run that Arsenal have been without winning the league title. Uh, but I think it's with decent investment and with two or three top of their game peak players in key positions, mainly a centre-back, a central midfielder and, again, replacing one of either Uber or Lacquer and getting somebody in up top, uh, I, think we've, I think we're in a very very, very good position, but we need to not spend the club's money. Stan needs to... He needs to step up and chuck a few quid in this this, this transfer window, and then we'll be in a very good spot. Arteta is definitely the man to see us through. We're very much at the moment of the George Graham 86-87 type season when we had players were getting on a bit. Sorry if I'm going on, Dan. I'm trying to keep this as short as I can. But, you know, if somebody wants, if you want to go back and have a look at the 86, 87 type beginning of that season and what George Graham did with integrating young players with decent senior pros, looking at the lower leagues to getting decent, stable defenders, uh, we're, we're very much there. And it's a crossroads. We either make the investment and we could win the league in a couple of years, or we don't make the investment, and it'll be very much like 1988, 82, 83, where we just went back into doldrums. Okay, Drew, something was uh, niggling me earlier about something that you said. Um, we're both Dortmund fans. Can you see any similarity? I know people are going completely off topic. Can you see any similarity to Dortmund's form 
when Aubameyang was leaving just before he left for us and the Arsenal form at the moment and dressing room situation. Because I remember you said a while ago, don't make Aubameyang captain because it won't work. And I said don't make him captain because he's, he's Aubameyang is just because someone knows how to lift morale doesn't make them a captain. Those are two very different things, you know. And and obviously the situation at Dortmund was a bit different than than um, like things in Arsenal right now. But he's very much the, the type of he but he showed that type of character at Dortmund, and you almost kind of saw it pop up here where with the contractual situation he went public and saying, "Well, it's out of my hands. It's all on the club. You know, it's not my responsibility." It's like I. Personally, with me, I always think club business should be kept in-house. There's no reason to talk to the press about it, but he's always been a kind of player who wants to be the focal point of attention. And for me, you don't want that in a captain. I've always been the type that wants that quiet leadership but doesn't want that that up-in-your-face, vocal, look-at-me kind of leadership. So while I do think he offers so much to the team, I was actually pretty pissed that he was made captain. But the circumstances are different. But I will say that, the thing that always struggled Dortmund was no matter how many goals Oba scored, they could never really properly challenge. The reason why is because Dortmund on a tactical level, <laughs> their primary role was to just get Oba on the end of a cross and he would score the goal. But playing that way won't win you leagues overall. It won't help you win champions leagues. It won't really help you be sustainable on a tactical level. It's very easy to defend against that if you're smart, which is why Oba barely ever scored against Bayern because they knew how to shut it down. And, and if you see it if, against teams who know how to defend, Oba goes missing in games regularly against sides who know how to defend against that type of service. And there's a reason for that. It's very easy to mark if you know what you're looking for. So, um, yeah, no. And, 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 and when they sold them, Dortmund have gotten better. They've reinvested in better players and younger players. Tactically, they're, they're not, you know, a, a one-trick pony. You know, they're, they're just much better all across the park. So that's why I keep saying, like, we're in a position – with the club where we have to make tough choices about maybe getting rid of key star players for the betterment long-term of building something on the pitch. And I think that's kind of how you have to look at it. So, but again, that's just my opinion and I come from a certain school of thought and maybe slight bias, but I, I've been saying that since the deal that I didn't think he was the right man to bring in on that kind of money, but it's irrelevant now. So, you know, Okay. If people like that kind of talk from all over football over the world, Josh, Drew, they can find those two on the Football Hipsters, which now uh, are using our platform because because uh, we're good. And uh, yeah, go and listen. They've done five shows as part of, uh, uh, maybe not as part of ABW, on the ABW platform because it saves Chris 300 quid a year. And <laughs> it's great to have them back because you can get this kind of information and talk with uh, loads of people on there. So yeah, keep an eye out for the Football Hipsters stuff because it's really, really good. I wouldn't there's say a bonus. There's, a, there's a bonus with that done as well. So, I'm never going to be on there. Oh, well, yeah, there is that as well. <laughs> An 80s uh, special. Right, question for you, Josh, from our mate Alonzo Spencer. Uh, sweating his ass off in Texas. He says, I have a lot of questions, but if a Young is leaving, who would you want as captain next season? Also, why do Arsenal make players captain who are either injured or their contracts up in a year? This club hasn't had a proper captain since Koscielny and Sesk. Good question, Alonso. I like it. Oh, uh, I've just been discussing it in the chat box with a couple of people who I think our next captain should be. Uh, Hector Bellerin. That's all right. Hector Bellerin would be my choice of captain. In terms of no. not just on the field, off the field, of how he represents the Arsenal, I think that's that's the and thing about good? club captain. Oh, are you going to say because he hasn't got long hair anymore? 
<laughs> I'll tell you, in the last couple of games, they somebody did a highlight reel of his last two games, and he looked really good. He was really getting stuck in. And you know, a, a while ago when he first came back from injury, he's uh, not going straight in for the tackles. Like I noticed, there's a couple of balls he'd slide in and take the ball off them, or stop the ball going out, and then get the ball and go off of it. That is the the, the Hector Bellerin of old, and it, hopefully, it looks like he's back, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he hasn't necessarily got the turn of pace that he had two seasons ago. That might make but sure. I think with how well I was going to say with how I think he's going to be deployed under Arteta, we saw a couple of times in a couple of friendlies how he's in popping up in more central positions. I think we might see a move to more of like uh, sorry, Gab, for this inverted fullback. Hey, <laughs> <go on>. yes, <laughs> there we go. Oh, I've been waiting for that all night. There you go. Yeah, I think we'll take up that kind of position instead. Um, yeah, I think. Anybody... I think. Sorry, sorry just just to add on to that, Josh, I was actually looking at that because uh, when the they show, was showing the highlights of the one of the games at uh, the Emirates, the the pre-season pre-COVID one back. Yeah. And they actually had lines on from the 18-yard box to the 18-yard box. And I thought there's a reason why that is. And then when you looked at the start of the Man City game, uh, especially in the first 20 minutes, the even though we was playing with three up top, the two wide were both squeezing into the 18-yard box. Mm-hmm. And we was actually trying to force Man City to play out wide as opposed to trying to play through the middle. So you could actually be right with this inverted fullback bollocks, <laughs> to be fair. So uh, it's a fair play to you, mate. Yeah, Hold on. That. Echo, what is an inverted right back? Here's something I found on dictionary.com. A noun vertigo is usually defined... Okay, Echo. No, I say I think you're right. I think the way, the way that it's, the, the game's going at the moment with... The new rules with regards to the back pass and players being allowed inside the box for the goal kick, etc. I think a lot of teams are gonna sort of go more narrow defending, mm. and I think that's that may actually revert to when you're attacking that the defensive and midfield players are gonna go more inside to give more room for the free at the top. Yeah, so, especially like as- I say how shit our midfield is at the moment. We need as much quality as we can get in there at the moment. And Hector's shown at his time at the club that he is technically proficient and knows how to play a pass. He can't cross it for Toffee, but that's why we're not going to play him on the wing anymore. I think the other thing with regards to Hector Bellerin is we, we've all, like I say, I mean, you know, sorry for laughing when somebody said Fabregas and Koscielny about outstanding captains. Uh, like I say, I mean, really, you've got to go back to uh, Big Frank, Tony Adams, uh, Pat Rice, uh, David O'Leary for a spell, uh, and uh, Patrick Vieira yeah. when it comes to proper captains of the Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, like I, say, I guess you can include Henri, but that was more of a tokenism than regards to anything else. Uh, but Hector Berlin... He actually displays all the characteristics that off the pitch that you would want from a captain of a club from the Arsenal. He's in, you know, he's very much a metrosexual type person. He's into his fashion. He's not the sort of person that's going to be going out, getting pissed in the pubs. 
unfortunately, no, fortunately, uh, he's into the environment. He, he he's the he's the perfect captain for for Arsenal at the moment for his his off field uh, mannerisms. You know, it, he's he's not going to be like this, you know the other scumbag players that you get from other clubs. He's not going to be. Your be question, Dav. I know, but it's a very important point, Dan, because it it's is. The, this is the caption of the Arsenal, mate. Yes, and we so only it's want a very, very, It's a very, very important question, but Hector Balloon's got all the characteristics of what a modern Arsenal captain should be. OK, any reason why you're calling him Hector Berlin, Berlin and not Bellerin? Uh, probably about, I would say, about eight cans of Foster's. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, we've got a question of Rick Andrew from Dial Square says, Am I the only person who rates Ceballos and wants him to stay and partner party? Drew, is um, party coming to Arsenal? I'm, I don't know. I have no clue. But in regards to Ceballos, I, I think he's, he's very. People either love him or they, or they don't. I think for me. I think he's the kind of progressive midfielder you want kind of driving play forward, but you can see why without someone like a Granite Jagger next to him, that kind of the wheels kind of fall off the bus, right? I, I can't even count how many times he played an errant pass or gave away possession because he was under pressure and he made the wrong decision. So for me, it's not that he's a poor player. I think that he needs the right, he needs to be a part of a balanced midfield and then you'll see the best part of who he actually is as a player. And I don't think we're seeing that yet. So if we were to keep him, then, the, 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 I mean, the downside of that is that you're taking away a chance of someone like maybe Ainsley Maitland and I was getting more time, but that, it's clear to me that maybe he's not well thought of anymore at the club, potentially. But Sabayos has quality. I know Josh rates him. I know there are others in, in the fan base that I speak to regularly that rate him, and it, it, I don't think it's anything for that he's not good enough for the club. I just wonder if if he's the kind of center midfield that we actually need to bring in this summer. But I think if you're going to start rebuilding, we need those technical midfield players. And if we've sure. got a good, if we've got a good deal in place from the summer for Sabios at the end of it, I see no reason in not picking, you know, Real Madrid up on that offer. But it's the wider thing of who else do we go out and get because we need technical players, and Arteta mm -hmm. will want technical midfielders, and he's one of them. Yeah, no, and not, I, I, think, that, I think that has yeah. a lot to do with it. I agree with you. I think that that's why he – I think he's almost trying to play Ceballos into form because he wants to make him hmm. one of the key one of the key assets moving forward. Essentially, I think if you partner Granite Jack and, and Ceballos and you have balance in the two of them, but then you're also asking the question of is, is are the center backs going to be left exposed again? So then you have to wonder if you get Thomas Partey in. It's clear Arteta likes Granite Jaka, right? I think that's all been made clear as well. And it's clear that he likes Danny Ceballos. If we get Partey in, then you might see a shift to a 4-3-3. And you have, if you have all three of those in the same midfield, that's the perfect balance of what you actually need in the midfield core to sort of actually properly challenge. And if that's the case, then I'm, I'm fully behind it. But I worry that if we get Ceballos in, he's the only midfield we're going to bring in, and then we're still stuck with a balance problem. So, yeah, that's kind of my drawback with it. Okay, Josh. Loki says, Ceballos makes Denilson look like Zidane. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's unfair. I like Denilson. <laughs> 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 uh, if, if Party does come, then Tobias will be freed up to go and do the job that he does. And we've seen that playing um, Tobias and Gwendouzi in midfield, that neither of them are there to break up play, are they? And so we get trounced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Phil Macker says, were you going to say something then? 
No. Okay. No, because when I'm talking, um, I thought I heard a noise. Might have been Gav chugging back another can. Phil Macca says, yes. bring back Cazorla. <laughs> no, we don't bring back Cazorla. He would get broken in the first game he was here. Um, well, I'm not going to read any more of those because we'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah, Archie. I'd take a crook wheelchair over Ceballos. <laughs> Archie. <laughs> right. Uh, another question. Uh, Kyle, has Martinez done enough to be number one while Leno is out, or do we need cover? Followed by, what would you like to see Mikel experiment with squad-wise, given that the season outside of the FA Cup is a write-off, Josh? Uh, I'd like to see Saka at left wing and Aubameyang yeah. up top. That's yeah. the thing I'd like to see the most, uh, with especially with the Martinelli news that potentially we're not going to see him until the latter stages of this season. Then Saka playing on the left wing, Aubameyang up top would be what I'd like to see. And has Martinez done enough to be number one for the seven or eight games? We, no, uh, we got eight. He's, he's a goalkeeper with two working knees. That's, that's <laughs> yes. his credentials to be a goalkeeper for the Arsenal. They're going to be our first choice. Go, going, going, going back to earlier, does anybody know whether you can actually bring in another keeper right now? Because I don't think you can. Yeah, you are allowed to in extremely near circumstances, I think. Well, but we don't yeah, have extraordinary circumstances. We have two. We still have two keepers a part of the yeah. squad. Well, yeah, exactly. If if if, so. if that's that's the thing. We 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 have we have three registered keepers. We have two registered keepers out of the three fit. Mm. So I yeah. I don't think there's a circumstance where we could actually pull in another keeper, uh, even with contracts ending. Yeah, you, know, you could bring the keeper in, but I don't think you can register him with the prem. There's no one I'd wholly take anyway that's available yeah. on a free. Um, it's people like Claudio Bravo, who yeah. I know uh. that's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it's, or it's Joe Hart's. And yeah. I think on both of those, we've already kind of, well, we've mentioned on Joe Hart already that he's not Arsenal quality. Why are we trying to bring in a not Arsenal well, we're, quality we're, player? To be, to be fair, <laughs> as a mid-table club that we are at the moment, he probably is Arsenal quality. Yeah, that is which is true. which is a sad indictment yeah. in the position that we're in. Mm. I mean, if if Leno was, like I say, I mean, it was great news today the fact that Leno should only be out for six weeks and then be able to start the the next season. But if Leno was out for sort of six months, then I probably wouldn't have any problems with somebody, not necessarily Joe Hart, but somebody like Joe Hart coming into the the goalkeeping squad even if on a year's loan. Uh, because, like I say, do you, you know, it, it would be the, the, the case of do you stick or twist? You can't go out and buy, tw- you know, we're not in a position to go out and spend 20, 30 million quid on a replacement keeper. But then you'd want somebody who has in their time shown experience uh, in that situation. But like I say, thank God we're not, hopefully, in that position where we have to sort of stick or twist on that one. Right, we need to get this a move on. We've got six minutes. We're not doing two hours, right? So uh, the rest of the questions from <laughs> Jimmy, John Welsh, Guna Dub, uh, One Arm Bastard, Matt Roberts and Phil Macker. I'm going to save those and possibly use them next week. Fife's Forum, the question was, how many minutes into the restarted season were you before you wanted it all to stop again? Matt L. Roberts says, when Louise decided to be Louise... 
Uh, one arm bastard said, never thought it for a second that I wanted it to stop. Always look forward and never regret watching Arsenal. However, I am still questioning whether it should have started. Even mild references towards public health is not cool. Um, right. So uh, next thing is gentlemen's nods. While you lot are all thinking of who you'd like to say hello to, I'll let you know the upcoming shows. This Thursday, Arsenal v Southampton, 6pm on Sky Sports. Not sure if it's free to air or not. It's going to be Jason, oh. Femi, Richard, and there's one other, and neither me nor Josh nor anybody can remember who it is. It's so, probably uh, John, and he's probably not going to turn up again. <laughs> yes, he's using that old excuse a lot, doesn't he? Having a bloody job. No one's got a job anymore, John. No, no Nobody does. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, if anybody, have any of you got your who you'd like to give a gentleman's nod to? Just uh, let me know. Drew? I mean, I've got nothing. Just, I'll say like, um. <laughs> well, I, I just spoke to Tom earlier, but just in general, I guess, th- thanks for everyone who wanted to come and enjoy the chat. And thanks for also for everybody who watches TGT with Tom and I, if you ever do. So that's also appreciated. So I will say that at least. Yeah, some really good stuff. I mean, you know, I watch all the all the stuff, all the uh, the Guna Talk stuff, along with the same old Arsenal and and Harry Simu and uh, whose name I just got wrong. It's not Simu. 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 He's not. He doesn't see him. Wow. Simu. So yeah, there's some really uh, good stuff, and uh, all, all the Arsenal. We all like to uh, have each other on each other's shows, which is nice. Uh, Josh, have you got anybody you want to give a, a northern hello to? Oh, that sounds like another horrible euphemism. First, I'm full of Brighton DNA, and secondly, I'm giving Northern hellos. You know, John's isn't that headbutt, isn't it? Northern John's hello. Of Northern hellos in his time, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Disgusting, Danny. You're an absolute filth bag. Um, no, not really. I haven't got anyone that. Oh, hello, Chris. Hi, Chris. And the dog's looking after. Sorry, did I sound like my mum told me to say hello to it? It's like when you know your grandma phones and she's like, Say hello to your grandmother, say hello to your grandmother, and you're like, Oh grandma, and then you just go back <laughs> off to doing whatever you do in your teenage years. It's that uh, oh, you see, I'll give a shout out to Alonzo. Ah, oh, there you go. Because he's a bit yeah. He's not been well. No. Okay. Gav, I know you've probably fallen out of everybody you know for being horrible to them, but is there anybody you'd like to say hello to? <laughs> I like to say hello to uh, Drew and Josh for making this a pleasant evening of debate and banter. And uh, uh, I'll see you soon on the uh, the Hipsters uh, podcast, where I'm sure you're going to invite me. And I'm going to be giving you an in-depth chat about inverted left back inside midfielders. <laughs> You've got his nipples, you tool. <laughs> Right, my talking of nipple, talking no, of nipples. No nipples. Right? Not talking about no, no, listen. No, I put a picture up of me in my brand new uh, over and over again for Jesus said Paddy t shirt on shewashop.com. And the amount of comments that I got from people on various platforms telling me I had nice tits. <laughs> well, that's that's gone at a place that none of us expected it to go, right? Be quiet. <laughs> My um, gentleman's nod is going to go to the person I've highlighted there, David. He says, only 22 likes. Tappy, tappy, you bastards. I've known David since my online Arsenal days, which is best part of 15 years ago. We follow each other on the Instagrams. See my beard. If I got got, um, a poodle, stuck it on my head, 
we look quite similar. We've got the same scruffy beard, but he's got uh, a dead poodle on his head, which is uh, which is lovely. So hello to David and David's son, who uh, he's, he's um, put a few pictures of them on the Instagrams. It's uh, it's a shocking thing to behold, but yeah, I've known him for years. Um, next thing we need to do is uh, our podcast title. Right, um, we need to pick between same old Arsenal always losing, injuries are us, can't catch a break, we don't want to be a football podcast, we're finished, the back four blunders, the sound of injuries or Arteta's bad week. Do any of you have a preference? And do any uh, of the chat box have a chat box? I'd say, the the, I'd say the sound of injuries. Oh, that's what I'm <laughs> thinking. Drew, what do you think? I don't care. No, we can go with that. Oh, Gav, are you going to make it a full house? Just for the sake of not arguing, I wasn't listening, so I'll agree. Ah, oh, Loki's come in with nice tits. Dot 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 dot. And uh, Mike, Mike hurts. My DMs are open, Gav. Right <laughs> dear, dear. So uh, well done to the um, the sound of injuries by, and he's in the chat box tonight. Mike Matt L Roberts, who's asked where Jim <laughs> is. You know where he is. He's probably busy being. Busy. That's the nicest way I can put that. It still hasn't told us he's not coming back. I, I think it's not going to happen. Oh, here we go. Andrew has put uh, Artetus Anatoribulus. Now that'll get us blocked on all, all social medias. Uh, oh, well, well, Mike's got it. A bunch of morons. <laughs> right. Anything else we need to mention? Oh, we've gone two hours and 23 seconds. It is closing the show. Thank you very much to the two Arsenal fans who own at Playbook Product. Go there, go and have a look at all their stuff and go and buy lots of it because you're supporting a, a small company run by a couple of gooners. And Gav, do you think of any other small companies run by a gooner that might they might want to go and have a look at? Uh, SheWarshop.com. Lovely. But don't, expect, but don't expect to reply tomorrow because I'm, your day I'm off. having a, I'm having a day off then. I'm having a proper day off. Excellent. I'm having a tom- I'm having a tomahawk, tomahawk steak and a uh, king prawn barbecue and Italian beer kind of day off. Okay, lovely. Drew, where can people find your blogs and where what shows are you on quite regularly apart from? Uh, I mean, I write at what you're my Arsenal and uh, get German football news. Um, and outside of the boot, which just rebooted itself. So those three, and then FM Lair is my Twitter handle, and you know you can find me here to go to talk for podcasting. So there you go. And that is F M L E H E R. L E H R E R. Lair. You'll be quite pleased, Josh. I mean Andrew. Today, I got. Oh, oh it's slightly off topic, but I'm going to dig it out. I have got football manager piles and seventeen. I have now got. <laughs> Every single one, <laughs> five onwards, because this one I bought on Steam. I've got a physical copy of every single one, apart from 20. <coughs> That's what FM stands for, isn't it? Yeah, sad, though. You shush your you're going to get yourself muted. Wow. Nearly ended it on a high. Josh, thank you very much. You have been our our, um, our resident um, hipster, along with Drew, and you have been magnificent, if I may say so myself tonight. Oh, thanks, Danny. Uh, that means something coming from you. It certainly does. Right. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat. <coughs> What's wrong? Sorry. I said thanks, Gav. Is there anywhere where anybody can find a shop? And you said your shop. Thank you very much, Gav, for being a tip for a part of the show and then being nice for the rest of it. I want you, Gav, are you listening? I want you to go off, do 10 hell wengers. 
and write it on a chalkboard 100 times. I will not do <laughs> my fellow podcasters because when Jason sees this, he's not going to be angry. He's going to take it as encouragement to go and be a tit as well. We don't need that. He's a big enough tit as it is. Uh, oh, well, like I say, that, that's about the tenth time I've been called big tits in the last two days. <laughs> oh dear! On that on that bombshell, uh, Jeremy Clarkson would say, "We have been an Arsenal podcast. You have been listening, freeloading scumbags. Up your bum and good night." As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>